2: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Time now for the character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is,
3: Hump
4: Day! Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Matthew Rocchio is here, and we're ready to go for the next three hours of stellar sports talk radio here on 101 ESPN. (laughs) Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing?
5: Good morning, stellar sports talk radio.
4: It's going to be. Yeah, it'll be okay yeah, uh, well, well we'll be here for the next we'll, we'll be on the air for the next three hours
5: it'll be serviceable yeah. sports talk right now, the next <laughs> right. <three hours>.
4: exactly <laughs> we do have ask uncle randy coming up at seven fifteen. so if you want to send in your text for ask uncle randy the air comfort service text line is 65780 you can also send emails I don't know if people still use that ask uncle randy at 101 espn.com you can also send an email if you'd like to ask uncle randy via the email machine and of course If you want to send a mic drop, if you're serious about it, you can send a Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app to ask me a question. Because, Michelle, it's warm outside. We're getting to that time of year where young love, kind of like the trees, is starting Mm -hmm. to blossom and bloom. And there are serious questions to be asked by the youngsters in the audience and the oldsters in the audience. And that's what Uncle Randy is here for, to try to help you through some of the dilemmas that you face with young love.
5: It's like Bambi, right? Everyone's all a Twitter out there. Mm -hmm. People are starting to get um, a little stir crazy, I think. Not only with the winter, but coming out of this pandemic. I have a feeling this spring and summer is going to be wild, Randy. People are just going to go nuts.
4: I know. Even like 59-year-olds might have a chance.
5: (laughs) I think they do. I think everybody's (laughs) got a shot.
4: The Blues in action tonight. (laughs) This is so funny, I'm coughing. Uh, The Blues in action tonight. They play Vancouver again. Alex Ferrari will have the pregame for you at 8 o'clock after a dominant win over the Canucks on Monday night. This will be a Wednesday night game at Vancouver, the start of a three-game Canadian road trip. Ron Burgundy?
5: I'm Ron Burgundy.
4: (laughs) And uh, you can hear all the action with Curbs and Joey starting at 9 o'clock. And Craig Berube is a regular on the fast lane. He's yes, yes. with them every week. And yesterday they asked him about the advantages of playing a team back-to-back like the Blues are playing the Canucks in this instance. I think just, you know, you look at your game you played, and you, you take some things from there that you could do better that, or that you did really well. You know, I thought, uh, you know, we really had some real good shifts in the offensive zone where we, uh, you know, held onto the puck, and created some good opportunities. and there, you know, there's a lot of good things, but uh, you, got, you also got to understand that they're going to have a good response being at home, getting beat for one. They're in a they're in a playoff hunt themselves, so it, it'll be a tougher game here in Vancouver for sure and just go out and play your game and be what you were on Monday night. Let's show some consistency. Let's t- have back-to-back good efforts.
5: Follow that exact same blueprint. Mm-hmm. Come out hard. Come out strong. Use the physicality. Hopefully we see the same r- performance from Ville Husso. <laughs> That would be nice.
4: And Coach said hey this is a, a playoff game yeah it is play like it's the playoffs
5: it is like the playoffs uh, these guys i'm sure are looking at the standings every morning just like we are randy and they're seeing how interchangeable all of these teams are it's going to be a grind through the re- end of the regular season and if the blues take their foot off the gas they could be on the outside looking in that the, that threat easily. is very real
4: yeah and by the way before we get to the cardinals as we wake up this morning the Los Angeles Lakers are on the outside looking in in the NBA's Western Conference. And They're 11th, and there are 10 teams that make the playoffs. They've got a four-team play-in, and right now the Lakers would not make the playoffs if they started today.
5: And I know that makes you happy, right?
4: I'm really happy about that. Yeah.
5: I noticed yesterday they were showing uh, the playoff standings, and they had the Lakers on the outside looking in. And you pointed at the TV, and you were smiling. I know. I think, if I remember correctly, you want them to get in, just sneak in, and then lose They'll right get away. Thumped. Yeah.
4: So here's the thing. I, I just don't appreciate the disingenuous nature of LeBron. And I, I, I've been a LeBron fan, but I think that he's kind of gotten so... Not that he wasn't always full of himself. I think he's more full of himself now than he's ever been. And hmm. the other part of it is, is and I know you need stars to succeed in Los Angeles, but they traded all their guys to get Russell Westbrook. They'd be a much better team if they had never made the Westbrook trade.
5: Yes, but I think that with that um that ego that you're talking about that transcends every aspect of mm-hmm. LeBron's game and I'm sure the Lakers as well. And everybody thinks, oh, it'll be different with me. Russ will play different with me. It's gonna be different in LA, which I never understood because the book is out on Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You know who he is, who he is as a person, who he is as a player. You're aware of of the product you're buying when you bring yeah. Russell Westbrook there. I don't know why they thought it would be different there, but that's what we see it in the NFL with quarterbacks. How many coaches are like, oh, it'll be different with me mm-hmm. I'll get this guy the best out of Carson Wentz will you run Rivera I don't know
4: for LeBron to say I don't push the buttons here you telling me that you Please. go out and get Anthony Davis that your team signs one of your best friends in Carmelo Anthony and they, they sign a bunch of veterans that are your buddies J.R. Smith a couple of years ago you telling me that you don't push the buttons in LA I kind of think you do it looks pretty obvious to me
5: you know what he's trying to say there is clutch pushes all the buttons and you run clutch yeah You are clutch, but clutch rules everything in the NBA. It's like the Scott Boris effect.
4: Michelle, today the Cardinals will play the Nationals, and you can see that noon game on Bally Sports. Danny Mack will have the call with Jim Edmonds. And today the question of the day here on Carricker and Smallman is, the Cardinals will make me happy in 2022 if. And we're going to ask this question throughout the morning. We want your mic drops, the Rhyno Shield mic drop. We want your text 65780 to the Air Comfort Service text line. The Cardinals will make me happy in 2022
5: if. So it's a little Mad Lib situation on a hump day. I thought about this a lot, Randy, because I like to be pragmatic when it comes to things like this. And in all reality, watching Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols together for one final season is going to make me happy regardless of the outcome on the field. I I truly believe that getting Albert back has sparked a joy in me that i didn't even think would be there i I thought if he would come back that i would be a little bit more uh hesitant about getting excited just because i don't really know what to expect from him on the field even despite the numbers and the role we know he's going to play i don't want to see a diminished version of albert pujols we got to see the best of him and i was very nervous about that as soon as that deal was announced i'm very excited so Part of what I'm going to say is actually, in reality, not how I'm going to feel. But, Randy, the Cardinals will make me happy in 2022 if they win the World Series. And I'm saying that based on what they have put out there. When Oliver Marmol comes out and says, it's a disappointment if we don't win the World Series, Mm -hmm. you have set that expectation for me. You have indicated to me that you think this team is good enough to compete for a World Series championship, to win a World Series championship. So why would I have any less expectations for the team than the manager who's filling out the lineup every day?
4: Maybe because you're a realist?
5: I understand. (laughs) But that's really what it's all about, right? The the root of all heartache comes from expectation. And if they internally are setting that expectation, that's where I'm going to be as well. I'm going to match their energy. I'm gonna I'm going to hold them accountable to the standard that they have set for themselves.
4: Well, first of all, every team says that. Every team says, even the Pirates are saying we expect to win the World Series, but they don't really mean it.
5: Do they say that? Or are they saying we just hope to finish the season <laughs> the, uh, i think they, they make really some money do it
4: now there's no doubt that the cardinals are more in than most teams but the reality of the situation is is that they're a middle of the pack team in the national league and the cardinals to me have made me happy. I'm like you. I, I'm energized by the return of Albert Pujols, and he might hit 220, and he might only hit seven home runs and only drive in 30, and have an OPS of 6.95. But we're getting that opportunity one more time to see him play in St. Louis. Wouldn't it have been cool to have Kurt Warner come back for one final go round in St. Louis? Wouldn't it have been fun to have Isaac Bruce come back for one final go round? So, regardless of the performance. They have made me happy already because my expectations weren't through the roof, despite what they say. And I, I get it that they think that they're really good and they should be in contention for the division title. But my reality is I, I expect them to be, and I expected them last year to be maybe an 84-85 win team. And with the expanded playoffs, maybe they sneak in. I don't expect an awful lot from them. So I'm glad that we're going to have this opportunity because St. Louis... For the most part, and I know that there are a lot of people that will text in and say, no, it's all about winning. It's all about winning a World Series. But St. Louis loves their guys, I think, more than any other market. And we get to celebrate three of our guys this year. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to celebrate our guys.
5: I'll be really interested to see how this season bears out from a fan perspective, because you're right. I think there are people at the end of this, if it doesn't result in confetti on the field, will still be happy because they got to see their guys one final time. But then I think back to 2019, Randy, when the Cardinals are in the NLCS and you would have thought that they were the worst team in baseball the way that fans were reacting. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even fill up Bush Stadium for a playoff series. People were distraught by the state of the team. So I am a realist on that level, knowing that we say, oh, we're going to be happy just because it's our guys and we're going to get to see them one last time and it's a farewell tour. But I also know that this is a town that has high expectations. And it's been 10 years. The last time mm-hmm. Albert Pools wore this uniform was the last time that we saw a World Series championship and people are restless. So, I'm a realist on that front too, knowing that this honeymoon period that we feel right now for our guys, if we see a June like we saw last year, that's not going to be there. That's not going to persist through a really right. bad stretch.
4: And I I think I think I'm just more of a realist. The Dodgers went 32 years without winning a World Series. Yankees, last time the Cardinals were in the World Series was 2013. The last time the Cardinals won was 2011. Last time the Yankees were in a World Series was 2009. Uh, the last time the Mets in the number one market won the World Series was 1986. The Angels, the last time they won was 2002. Last time they won a playoff game was 2009. They're in the number two market. Uh, the the White Sox, last time they won or were in were, was 2005. that They're in the number three market. It's just, I think because especially your generation because that group from 2000 to 2013, they made it look so easy that there's a perception that it is easy to win the World Series and it's not. It's really,
1: really hard.
5: I also think my generation <laughs> came up in the Michael Jordan era where you saw greatness over mm-hmm. and over and over again and someone that could just will their team to win (laughs) and we became i don't know how i can only speak to myself but i feel like because of the michael jordan era we are so big on counting rings we are so big on counting hardware and
4: you know what's sad about that is you also grew up in the charles barkley era right and he's a top 50 player of all time and one of the best players ever won an mvp
5: but does anyone call it the barkley era no we all call it the jordan right
4: right and that's the, the sad thing is that If you grew up in the Albert Pujols era where he won the two world championships and played in three, you also grew up in the Miguel Cabrera with the Tigers era where he didn't win one with the Tigers. Yes, he won one as a rookie in 2003 with the Marlins, but we all talk about Albert and because of the rings, how he's above Miguel Cabrera, offensively, they're basically the same guys.
5: But don't you think there's a huge portion of Cardinal Nation that will feel a certain type of way if the Cardinals don't even win the division? Even with Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, and Adam Wainwright on their final season, there's a big chunk of people listening that if we're talking about this in September and the the Brewers are winning the division, whether yep. it's, and even if it's things that are outside of the Cardinals control, like Jack Flaherty's injury or Alex Reyes, or if there's another injury to the rotation and it's just not something this team can sustain. Those are all things that the fan base is well, not going to look at rationally. They're and, going to feel disappointed.
4: And that's because I understand that they'll probably be there at that point in the season. That's why I'm going to enjoy watching number four and number five and number 50 because I know that's going to happen. Right. If Well, let's put it this way. I hope we
0: surprise people and make them happy.
4: I I do, too. Mo, I I do. But the reality of the situation is if the Cardinals are in the playoffs and succeed in the playoffs, I'll be really surprised.
5: But you'll be happy.
4: I will be happy.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That's Michelle.
4: I'm Randy. Coming up, get your texts and emails in and maybe even a Rhino Shield mic drop. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. It's Ask Uncle Randy Day next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. All right,
4: your text 65780. Your emails ask Uncle Randy at 101ESPN.com. Your mic drops if you so desire. And Michelle has your questions for Uncle Randy. Michelle, take it away.
5: From 314 Dear Uncle Randy, I'm a teacher. I have 22 years of service, but I'm finding it so hard these days with the kids and disrespect and the lack of responsibility slash accountability. Do I roll the dice on doing something else? My early retirement is only in four more years.
4: Yes. I, you know what? i i would wait the four years because that's a great deal when you're a teacher and you, you'll still be in a position after that you'll get a great pension uh, i've known several pe- teachers public school teachers that have done this and then you can do another job and kind of double dip so i i as much and as much of a hassle as the kids are for you you put 22 years in and i, I would go for the 26 and Just grin and bear it. And I get that the kids are disrespectful and they're not like they were 10, 15, 20 years ago, 22 years ago when you started. But just from the standpoint of having a productive future, unless it's going to kill you, unless the stress is going to kill you, I would... Stick it out for the four years.
5: You know what the problem is, is whatever you roll the dice on, you're likely going to be dealing with disrespectful people anyway. If right. you're going into sales, people are going to be rude too. If you're going into customer service, people are going to be disrespectful and rude. It's just the way people are now. It's right. awful.
4: And one thing that I've thought about, because I've, I've thought about what I would do if I were a teacher. And one thing that I would do is make, it, make a conscious effort to make that place, my classroom, a fun, cool, happy place. And I know it's really hard to maintain a positive outlook and to smile, but I wonder if you could help kids be happier because kids are under more stress than they've ever been too. I wonder if you could help kids lead a better life if rather than reacting to them with, and I'm not, this is no reflection on you, I I just wonder, if with everything they're dealing with, with the stresses that parents inflict at home and what kids deal with in 2022, I wonder if you make your classroom a happy, safe haven, if you would have a different atmosphere. I have no idea. I have have no idea what the kids are like and what causes their disrespect. But I just wonder if how can we change that disrespect into a level of respect?
5: unfortunately the teachers only have the kids for so long and then they go home right right? it has to be enforced on both ends
4: right no doubt about it but i am wondering if just for that 50 minutes that you have kids in your classroom if that can be a place where they do wind up being happy and being respectful and don't worry about the rest of the day worry about your own happiness
5: Good point. Gosh, teachers have been through it these past few years. Oh, you aren't kidding. Yeah, I and don't envy them at all. Yeah, you guys, no deserve doubt. A medal. Yeah, thanks
4: for what you do. Seriously,
5: thank and, you. We and, appreciate you. You're, the kids yeah. in your classroom might not, but we appreciate you.
4: And by the way, let me throw this out there: if there is something where you can make as much money as what you're doing, and it's not going to affect your family adversely, you can still put food on the table. If there, there are a lot of jobs out there. Even the. It, Let me put it this way. If the stress is going to kill you,
5: it's not worth it. True. From the 573, Dear Uncle Randy, as you know, it's baseball season, specifically high school baseball Mm -hmm. season. Do you have any advice for calming your nerves while your child is out there on the field and or pitching?
4: No. (laughs) (laughs) No, the thing to do is when I think there's a couple of things. And I did not disagree with the Matheny Manifesto. I know a lot of people did. I think it's really smart to not coach your kid from the stands and i know it's stressful but i I think that's a big part of it and the other thing i would do and i talk about this all the time and i learned this after my my surgery is smell the flowers or smell the flowers blow out the candles take a deep breath and that really can help you relax and reduce stress if you just breathe deep it's really good for you so that would be my recommendation hey we have mic drops Michelle
5: should we get a mic drop we do yes absolutely I would love to hear a mic drop
4: Uh, let's get Tim who's got a mic drop for ask Uncle Randy
6: good morning Uncle Randy and Aunt Michelle (laughs) Um, I need your help here Uh, just bought a four-month-old puppy and uh, it's dealing with some separation anxiety so every time we put it in the crate to go to bed uh, it does not stop whining what do I do? SOS.
5: I remember those days Googling what to do. One thing that helped with my dog, and this was many years ago, mm-hmm. but if you wear a t-shirt and it smells like you, and you put the shirt mm-hmm. in the crate with the puppy, it feels comforted because it smells like you. So try that.
4: And the other part of this is at four months old, that puppy, you you have to, It's as hard as having a baby. You, you have to get that puppy up in the middle of the night and take it outside, and that little bit of contact with you at one in the morning just to take it out to to go pee pee will make a huge difference for the dog so it's but yeah separation anxiety you know what the reality of the situation once the dog is house trained and is able to jump up on your bed it's gonna be sleeping on your bed anyway so you know you might as well get get it started early
5: yeah good luck trying to get it to not sleep on your bed yeah you let that happen once and you're done
4: text in if your dog doesn't sleep on your bed 65780
5: i tried to get my dog to not sleep on my bed did not work
4: i'm going to put up a twitter poll michelle he was and I'm, I'm going to ask if people have does your dog sleep on your bed yes or no it'll be it at, uh, at randy carriker on the twitter machine in moments
5: okay perfect everyone follow randy and follow him on instagram at rj carriker and you should follow him anyway because we're gonna have a little giveaway on instagram later in the show from the 270 dear uncle randy my neighbor has his huge ford excursion parked right in front of my house his driveway had two vehicles in it and his company's work truck parked in front of his house it's super annoying what should i do
4: okay can you repeat the number of vehicles here
5: yes so the neighbor has his ford excursion which is a huge vehicle vehicle. parked right in front of our texter's house Mm -hmm. this guy's driveway has two vehicles in it and he has his company's work truck parked in front of his house so if i'm doing the math here we're talking four four vehicles four
4: vehicles and two really big ones yes what i would do is in a gentle but firm manner go to the neighbor and try to reason with them and say Hey, we have a vehicle that we need to park in front of our house. And I understand that you have big vehicles. But could you put one of your vehicles that's in the road in the driveway, please? And I hope they have a garage. Because your vehicles are taking up space, our space, in front of our house. And we would really appreciate it if you would park one of those vehicles in the driveway so that we didn't have that vehicle in front of our house.
5: I think that's totally fair. I was listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning, and they were talking about Coach K and how Coach K is not afraid of a confrontation because mm-hmm. confrontation spawns growth, that you're never going to get growth without confrontation. And I think so much, so many of us are so afraid of the confrontation. What if you go to your neighbor and you just say what you said? What's the worst thing that he, that he can say? No. no. Yeah. And then you have a confrontation. It's better than you stewing about it all day. Right.
4: Yeah. Just go talk to him. And maybe... He'll be amenable because he understands that you do have needs in front of your house too. That's and that, those are, and I get it from the neighbors' perspective too. But those are big vehicles, and my, my hope would be that they can just put one of them in the driveway, so that they have three in their driveway and just one in front of their own house.
5: From the three one four, Dear Uncle Randy, who's your biggest celebrity crush?
4: Oh, that's a great question. <laughs>
5: I love that the 314 wants to know that. <laughs> and, and
4: I and I, I don't want to uh, hurt the feelings of one of my guys, Ryan Reynolds, but it's Blake Lively.
5: Oh, so Ryan Reynolds is one of your guys, huh?
4: Yeah, we're bros.
5: Blake well, Lively, I'm surprised. Why? Well, I mean, not that she's not beautiful and talented. I don't know, Ryan. And funny she she is i don't know i i just thought it would be an instagram model or oh no you know someone that maybe you had been corresponding with something me and
4: carol are we're 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 comfortable together okay okay Okay.
5: you and carol we've gone from carolina to carol yeah
4: Yeah. we've got another mic drop
5: okay great let's Let's get
4: ryan with a, a mic drop for ask uncle randy hey uncle randy so
7: i was given blues tickets for next wednesday's game Uh, opening day eve and I'm 26 years old but I feel like I'm in my 50s I can't party like I used to Uh so what do I do do I go to this blues game and be tired for opening day festivities or do I not go to the blues game rest up and go hard in the paint for opening day
4: you power through it because the opportunities are so few and far between that you get a 24-hour period where you get a blues game and a cardinals game and a a big cardinals game an opener so at the age of 26 or at the age of 59 uh you you power through and you can do it and i know you're gonna have a little bit of pain to deal with on the seventh at the end of the seventh but as mike shannon said i'll have plenty of time to sleep when i'm dead So just power through for those 24 hours. You can do it.
5: Absolutely power through. I mean, think back to two years ago when we didn't have moments like this and what you would have given to have a back-to-back blues and cards home opener experience. And you will definitely be really tired. Make sure that your schedule is cleared over the weekend so you can sleep in on Saturday morning. But what I can tell, what was our, our mic dropper's name, Ryan. Ryan. Ryan, what I can promise you is that no matter how tired you are when you wake up on Thursday morning, when you get down to the ballpark for the home opener, that energy and electricity Mm -hmm. is going to carry you through, my friend. You Get a coffee, but there is nothing like the vibrancy of the ballpark at the home opener. And this is going to be one for the ages. You are not going to be tired that day. Maybe in like the seventh or eighth inning, you're going to get a little tired. But by that point, you're in the home stretch. Don't even worry about it.
4: And by the way, Michelle, I'm mildly surprised early on, 107 votes. Fifty-eight percent say that the dog does sleep on the bed. Only forty-two percent. Fifty. I thought it'd be a higher percentage of dogs that sleep on the bed than fifty-eight.
5: The text line is filled with people saying, "Absolutely not. Dogs not on my bed." I
2: think it's like seventy percent on the text line that say, "No, dogs are never allowed on the bed. No furniture. Nothing." I'm surprised how many people have also chimed in that they would never let their kids sleep in their bed, uh, like you know, unless they were like you know really ill or something like that. And I'm like, oh okay, y'all y'all are strict. Y'all are strict.
4: Yeah. There's a
2: strict so, text line this morning.
4: Our dogs would not be able to handle it if they weren't able to be on the furniture. I mean, that's... My,
2: my my dog slept with in my bed for like 10, in the last like 12 years of the 16 years we had him. I would... I would... Yeah. I would never not want that. That was that was fantastic, especially during the winter.
4: Yeah, right. And sometimes I, I got kicked off my bed last night, as a matter of fact. It happens.
5: Wow. Part of the deal, yeah. You're nice. Yeah,
4: I am. Try to be.
5: Um... Can I throw in one more thing before we go to break yes. here? So, someone uh, from the 573 texted this in, and I think for our, our, Buddy Ryan, who's going to go Mm -hmm. to the Blues game and then the Cards home opener, you don't have to be the biggest drunk at both things. So pace yourself on uh, what is that Wednesday night at Mm -hmm. the Blues game. Think about the next day and all the activities you have. I know you're going to be excited. It's so much fun at Enterprise Center. You want to be slamming beers, but just think about that. Just pace yourself. Yeah,
4: don't peak too soon. Exactly,
5: don't peak too soon, and you'll be fine.
4: And who are the Blues playing that night? Let me just double check that because uh, it it's well, it'll be a big game, but it's not. Probably one that you need to go overboard with, right?
5: Well, they're all playoff games now, Randy. Okay, let's On the see. Sixth. We're going to April. April 6th is the Blues and the Kraken.
4: Oh, yeah, you're good. Blues will win that one easy. They win against all the lesser teams, they really don't have problems. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, thanks for participating in Ask Uncle Randy by the way the poll is up at uh, Randy Carricker on the Twitter machine. You can follow Michelle on Twitter and on Insta at Smallman. So we want you to participate in the poll today. Does your dog sleep on your bed right now? 130, 172 votes. It's basically 60-40 saying yes. Mm. Coming up, if the Blues have a great three-game Canada road trip, will you trust them after that? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: It is Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN and Michelle the Blues start a three-game Canada road trip tonight. They're in Vancouver this evening and then Friday night at Edmonton. Saturday night, they're at Calgary and... We talked earlier about Vancouver battling for a playoff spot. Well, Calgary leads the Pacific Division, and they want to nail down that number 2 seed in the West, and they'll be able to do so by winning the division. And Edmonton is in third place in the Pacific. They're only three points ahead of Vegas, so they need to keep winning. The Blues have won four of their last 13 games. They're virtually 500 against the bottom 10 teams in the NHL. These are good teams that are playing for the playoffs, and the Blues had... A good performance. We'll give them that against Vancouver. They still have won four of their last 13. If the Blues would go out on this West Coast trip and beat Vancouver, beat Edmonton, and beat Calgary, would you trust them as they come home? And by the way, they'd come home to a four game homestand against two teams that are absolutely out of the playoffs in Arizona and Seattle. And then you'd have Minnesota and the Islanders before you head back out on the road. Could you trust the Blues if they go out and have a three-game stretch where they play well, which would make it a four-game stretch where they play well?
5: I could not. Yeah, I would be encouraged, absolutely, but I could not because we've seen stretches of this, of play like that from this Blues team this season, and then there will be a regression and that inconsistency is not i guess this the bigger sample size i have of the season with their inconsistency inconsistency is not going to be negated by one road trip even if they win all of the games and they're playing blues hockey and they look great if we see great goaltending i don't think that one chunk of the season is going to be enough for me to feel like I can trust them I mean Randy when we're sitting here on the precipice of April and even though they had a great bounce back Mm -hmm. effort on Monday we're still talking about the identity of this team and we're still talking about them finding consistency that's a little concerning to me
4: a week ago when the Blues played Philadelphia here and lost five to two Craig Berube referred to his team as arrogant and what he meant by that was We think we're really good, but we aren't good enough to just throw pucks out on the ice and beat Philadelphia. These players, and this has been a problem with the Blues for a long time, I guess it probably exists throughout the NHL, but if a team thinks it's better than they really are, that's a mindset that I have to believe is difficult to change. They think they can throw pucks out on the ice, at least they've shown us in playing the bottom 10 teams this year. They believe that they're better than they really are, and there is a level of arrogance there. Hopefully, getting knocked off by Philadelphia has caused them to have a wake-up call. But then you come back the next game, and you lose to Carolina, one of the best teams in the league, 7-2. to I'm with you. I have trouble trusting this team. And I'm kind of thinking, Michelle, that we're beyond the point where it's a mental issue. I I, I wonder if this group, it's kind of like playing four days of golf in a row, Mm -hmm. I wonder if this group is even physically capable and they've got a lot of older players that are 30 and above, I wonder if they're physically capable of of going out and playing well consistently
1: now.
5: See, to me it's not really that because I think that they are it's mentally can they all get on the same page because that's what we're hearing coming out of the guys where they're saying we need to be committed to playing a certain type of hockey and everybody has to be on the same page we can't just go out there Justin Falk was saying we can't just go out there and think we're going to score a Mm -hmm. bunch of goals to me it's not really a talent thing or a physical thing it's the fact that it doesn't seem like everybody is pulling the rope the same way night in and night out we see it at times but it just seems like sometimes there's two groups of players on the ice that are trying to play two different styles of hockey
4: well and you have a guy like Jordan Cairo and his issues defensively have been well documented you see a guy like Pareko who I think is plus 20 in his last 20 games, but you see the inconsistency in the goal that he's, he allows on Saturday night. And you, you just want him to be like a number one guy where you don't see those mistakes, those consistency mistakes on a regular basis. And if that is the issue, if, if, if it is a mental issue, again, at this stage, I don't know how you fix it. And it could be because... I don't want to say that Ryan O'Reilly isn't the answer as the captain, but the one difference from 2019, Ruby hasn't changed. Sure. Some of the surrounding talent has changed, but part of the job of your leadership core is to make sure that everybody is prepared to go and start fast. Every game, Mm -hmm. those veteran players and the blues have done it on occasion, but they don't do it consistently. And they didn't last year either when they got swept out of the playoffs. So maybe it is an issue of the player that's in charge in that dressing room not providing enough impetus for everybody to get off to a fast start.
5: So when I think back to that team buy-in is the first thing that comes to mind. When you have Alexander Steen willing to assume any role that is asked of him on that team, how is any other person in that dressing room going to look around and say, I'm not willing to do what is asked of me when a veteran player like that Mm -hmm. is doing whatever is asked of him? And it just seems like you know, at this point of the season, we're, we're hearing kind of the same rhetoric from the guys that everybody needs to be on the same page. Everybody needs to buy in. We all have to play the same brand of hockey. We need to find our identity. And maybe it will take a, a veteran guy in that room to do something like that to show sacrifice. Or, uh, But I don't really know who, who what example of that exists now that isn't already no. there because Braden Shen is giving it his all every night. Look at what David Perron is doing. Ryan O'Reilly is grinding it out. There really isn't the opportunity for a veteran guy no. to, to assume a different role. So that's why I will not trust them because I don't really know where the answer lies. And
4: like Panger told us on Tuesday, when I asked him about this, he, he made the point. If somebody doesn't perform well, when he was playing, you could get sent back to the minors and somebody would take your job. What blues player now, what blues top six, top nine forward is going to get replaced. What to, there's no defenseman that's going to get replaced. So nobody is fighting for a job or for ice time at the moment.
5: So there's no sense of urgency or no. sense of uncertainty there.
4: Right. And it should all be about winning. But clearly, it's not. It's not all about winning, because if it were all about winning, then we wouldn't have the questions about the mental ability of the team to get up and start fast on a regular basis.
5: Here's a good text, Randy, from the 314. Three good games in Canada will not make me stop worrying about the Blues after the astoundingly huge swings we've seen in their quality of play this year. I'll stop worrying about the Blues when they're up 4-1 in Game 7 of the Cup Finals with one minute to play.
4: And I hope it's Game 4 of the Finals. (laughs) That'd be great. But I'm with you. I will have difficulty trusting this team. And even if they get into a first-round playoff series against the Wild, if right now the Blues are in fourth place in their division, so they they're let me get the latest wild card. If the playoffs started today, the Blues would play Calgary. And I wouldn't feel good about a first-round matchup against the Flames.
5: I wouldn't feel really great about a first-round matchup versus anybody at this point. Even though we love their effort and and their style of play on Monday – I just think all of us are afraid that the bottom's going to fall out. (laughs)
4: Right. And fool us once because last year we thought, okay, they'll turn it on come playoff time and then they get swept out by Colorado. You can't trust them.
5: But they didn't have David Perron. That's true. And we all know the character and Smallman bump. Without that, I didn't feel great about their chances either, Randy. So they
4: would have won the series. Correct. if, If we would have been there. COVID curse you.
5: Turn <laughs> it. Oh, COVID.
4: <laughs> Blues and Canucks tonight. Pre game at eight, <laughs> action at nine here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the air comfort service. Text line 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it
4: Get your text into the air comfort service. Text line 65780. Michelle, Randy, Matthew with you. And Michelle, you and I have both been to the Beyond Van Gogh exhibit over by the gallery, and it's spectacular. And I believe it's going to be here th- through May now. Yeah, through May 30th. Happy birthday, by the way, Vincent. He uh, was born on this date in 1853. So he would be, uh, did we, Matt, we figured it out math wise. 100 and. 47 plus 22, 169. 169 years old is how old? Nice. Yeah, well, well preserved. Now, as we know, Vincent Van Gogh suffered hallucinations and suffered attacks in which he would lose consciousness. And during one of those attacks, he cut off his own ear with a knife. Take it or leave it. You could envision a scenario, whether it was drunk or sober or having an (laughs) attack in which you would cut off part of your ear with a knife.
5: I'll leave it. I'm not brave enough.
4: I'm not either. I, it would hurt too much.
5: I mean, and clearly he was unwell, so yeah. he was not thinking about fear. He was just trying to get the ear off. But um, no, I hate blood. I, I don't know if I would ever. I do envision, Randy, a moment where I will just absolutely snap and have a rage blackout moment, and I don't know what's happened. Maybe I will wake up, and there's my ear is gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can I identify with snapping, but no, I don't think it would result in me losing my ear.
4: Yeah, I, I couldn't do it either. I am with you. And by the way, at the Van Gogh exhibit today, if today is your birthday, free entry to the Beyond Van Gogh exhibit and you can learn more just by uh, making reservations at opentable.com. And I'm not an art guy, as you know, Michelle, but I thought it was fantastic. I loved it.
5: Yeah, I thought it was great, too. You should definitely go see it. And if it's your birthday, it's free. Free, no no charge, yeah. No doubt. So, Randy, we talked a little bit yesterday about Carson Wentz and the Colts wanting to end that experiment ASAP. They wanted to end it so badly that they were ready to move on from him without a plan B. Well, that eventually brought quarterback Matt Ryan to Indy, but at the annual league meetings, Colts owner Jim Ursay had an interest Interesting comment. He said that after trading Carson Wentz to the commanders that the Colts considered trading for quote, a young franchise quarterback that would have cost his team a pair of first round picks. So there's been a lot of speculation over who this young franchise quarterback could have been. Some people were thinking maybe Derek Carr of the Raiders, perhaps Jimmy Garoppolo who's still out there, but take it or leave it. Jim Ursay was referring to Kyler Murray.
4: I'm going to leave that.
5: A lot of consternation about Kyler's future in yep. Arizona this offseason. He uh, would command about yep. two first-round picks.
4: Yep. I'm going to say that it was Deshaun Watson. Hmm. And uh, maybe even at that point, Baker Mayfield. Ursay's a man who knows about forgiveness.
8: Yeah.
4: Yes, he is.
5: Maybe. Yeah. I just wouldn't have been surprised if it was Kyler, if there was more discussions behind the scenes about getting Kyler out of Arizona than we realized.
4: I just wonder if Kyler fits the mold of what Frank Reich likes to do. And obviously, Frank Reich has succeeded with Wentz and Foles and Phillip Rivers, so he he's had all different types of quarterbacks. That would have been interesting to me, but if I'm gonna give up a pair of number ones, not that they're brilliant, because they did give up a number one for Carson Wentz, but I want to get a guy who's done more than Kyler Murray has. I just didn't love the way Kyler played last year. I think he needs to be coached better.
5: But when they're in a scenario where they're moving on from Carson Wentz and they don't even have a backup plan. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I could see them looking at Kyler as a significant upgrade. No
4: doubt about it. All right, your Tech 65780. Matthew Rocket. what do you got for us?
2: I like this one. Take it or leave it. Javante Perkins returns. Is the Billikins' highest score and leads him to the
4: tournament. I'll take that. Take that, too. They're going to have a pretty darn good team. And they're, they're losing a couple of guys. They lost Andre Lorenzen, who was supposed to be a three-point shooter, kind of like uh, uh, number 24, big-time big time, Gibby Jim. Uh, big-time Gibby Jim. Yeah. And they've had a couple of guys, uh, Nesbitt's going pro, and they're losing a couple of guys. But they're going to be pretty darn good. Yeah, and I'll say with Perkins, they go to the tournament.
2: Take it or leave it. Wainwright, Hudson, Michaelis, and Mats are actually a top-ten rotation. Forget the
5: haters. I'm going to leave that. Top 10, I'll leave it.
4: Yeah, I'm going to leave it too. I just can't at this stage. I, I, I'm thrilled that apparently Michaelis and Hudson are healthy, but I can't count on them. I think I can find nine rota- 10 rotations that I, I would feel more confident in.
5: A lot of question marks there yeah. for me still.
4: Take it or leave it. The Blues
2: have an entirely different core in two years' time. I'll take that
5: entirely different core, so we're saying the core, the veteran core So
2: no O'Reilly, no Tarasenko Perron No
5: Peron. no,
2: Peron, no Shen Shen? Will be here still. Yeah. Is Sh- anybody off the defensive? Any, anybody out of the defensive pairing? You're stuck with this defense Okay, they, Parico, they're, they're we'll locked in pretty 8 year contract Six year, more years after this year?
4: Who's that? Falk six more years after this year? I believe he's got five, five more after this year. year
2: Yeah. So I mean, ooh, that's a lot of forwards
4: Right, yeah, they're saying,
2: saying two years from now all yeah, of them are well, gone
4: because Tarasenko and O'Reilly are both up after next year, both UFAs. David after this year, Shenner will be around, but your your core will be Butchnevich, Thomas, Cairou. They're going to keep those guys around and try to get them going. Jake Neighbors is going to make his way up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really like Bull Duke. They think that. And by the way, if you lose an O'Reilly Bull Duke is a center, that I, I would think that they'll be counting on. I I would take that. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Kyru doesn't play
2: Barubi's game. Use him as the key part of the Kachuk
5: trade. I'll take that.
4: I'm going to leave it. I think you get Matthew Kachuk to make Kyru and Thomas better. Matthew Kachuk provides an element on a line with those two that you don't have right now.
5: I would love that. I just don't know if you can acquire him and have both. I would love for it to happen, but it always seems like in that scenario, you have to give up something major to get what you want.
4: And the 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 question is going to be is how much pressure is Matthew going to put on Calgary? If Calgary offers him, because he's a UFA after next season, Mm -hmm. if Calgary offers him the monster contract... Does he know through channels that he can get as much as or more from the Blues as a UFA next year?
5: I would imagine that the channels are talking. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would think that, hey, Dad. Hey, what do you think, Dad? <laughs> what, are you, what, are
4: you, what are you hearing from Army, Dad?
5: When you're sitting in the box, Dad, just ask him. <laughs> Yeah, the, the channels are. have uh, been talking for quite some time. We'll just say that. Randy,
2: we talked a little bit about this uh, before the show. Tiger Woods played 18 at Augusta yesterday. Take it or leave it. He not only plays again, but he gets a top 10 finish.
5: Taking it. I'm not yeah. putting one thing past that guy. No.
4: Now, I, I wouldn't say top 10 this year, but I will say that Tiger will play again, and in some tournament, he'll have a top 10 finish.
2: I honestly just think like, it's such a weird thing, but just the fact that you have to walk... 72 holes in that kind of time frame i re- honestly think that is the biggest hurdle in him coming back mm-hmm. that's well, the thing that course, i wonder yeah. about the most i mean just can he it, it seems you know seems so mundane but i mean just can he walk that much in, in over a weekend that's, and that's gonna be the biggest hurdle
4: evidently uh he is obviously good enough to play 18 yesterday we don't know how much he rode in a cart but i i number one we're always going to think that Tiger can win, right? Because that's just, we, we've we seen it before. It's because happened. He's a winner. <laughs> yeah. And the other part of it is, in addition to the, what we've seen factually, that would like be a dream come true. It, we, we're all rooting, not, I guess not all of us. I, I'm rooting. I know that in this room, we're all rooting for that dream scenario.
5: Watching him win the Masters, what was that, 2019? 2018 2019 whatever year it was mm-hmm. was one of the single greatest sports moments of my life I'll never yeah. forget where I was What who I was with I remember crying watching it? it's I I will never put anything past him because I never thought he would win again and watching and I know that this injury is very severe and it's gonna take a lot for him to be able to walk and plant that leg and, and come back and really be able to do it but I will never put any obstacle in front of him that i don't think he can overcome
4: and tiger is a golf historian and he knows that ben hogan returned from a near tragic accident Uh, his car was hit by a bus and his body was a mess and that was in 1949. now with the medical technology of today you telling me that Tiger Woods isn't thinking, I want to do what Ben Hogan did. I want to come back and win a major after a horrific car accident.
5: Sure, but I wonder if he's even considering Ben Hogan because it feels like Tiger Woods' biggest competition is always himself.
4: Right, and that body, man, It's wh- how sad is it that we, the Tiger is as great as he's been, maybe the greatest ever, but he's a what if.
5: Yeah, mentally, yeah. physically, so yeah, much what, of it.
4: What could he have been if the knee doesn't get torn up and if he doesn't have the scandal? And he doesn't, by the way, train with Navy SEALs and run yeah. 10 miles in, in boots, you know? So, so, anyway, I I think he can do it. Matthew, thank you very much. Thank you, Randy. And coming up next, we want your text, we want your mic drops. The Cardinals will make you happy in 2022, if blank. That's your Mad Lib for today on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories It's Character and Smallman's Fresh take. Brought to you by the Schnucks Rewards
5: app Check out Good For You A free wellness program available in the app today
4: 806 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Before we get to your mic drops and your texts, Michelle has some news for you about today's Cardinal game, which, by the way, I was wrong about. It's not a televised game. Tomorrow night's game is televised, but today is not on TV.
5: Mm, bummer, yeah. because a lot of people would want to be tuned into this one, Randy. The Cardinals and the Nationals. 12:05 start for the Redbirds. The lineup is out. Would you like to hear it?
4: I would like to hear it.
5: All right. Leading off, we have Dylan Carlson in mm-hmm. right field. First base Paul Goldschmidt in the two-hole, then comes in. Uh, we still need a nickname for Tyler O'Neill. Some, I feel like he, he
4: people like Bronieal.
5: Bronieal is good. Okay, yeah, it is good. But I just maybe like. Something Canadian. We'll workshop it. Anyway, coming in and uh, hitting number three for the Cardinals in left field is Tyler O'Neill. And then in the four hole, Randy, your DH today, one Albert Pool Holes. No way. Hitting fourth Clean for the Cardinals. Better? Clean up here to hitting fourth at DH, Albert Pool Then we have Paul DeYoung, yadier Molina, Harrison Bader, Tommy Edmund, and Donovan to round things out.
4: That is incredible. That is great to hear. Hey, there's an interesting piece by Mike Petriello over at MLB.com where he puts all of Major League Baseball's teams in tiers. He's got the Dodgers alone as Tier 1. He lists as Tier 2, World Series or bust, the Astros, Blue Jays, Braves, Mets, Rays, White Sox, and Yankees. Hmm. Then Mike Petriello has tier three of all the major league teams solid contenders he rates as the Brewers from the National League Central Padres Phillies and Red Sox still haven't heard Cardinals yet. yeah okay and we're already down to tier four Michelle and tier four is the Giants zone they're alone in tier four the San Francisco Giants tier five high variance 500 teams he lists the Angels the Twins and the Cardinals
5: Wow, okay, is there a reason why the Cardinals are down so many tiers?
4: He points out that they didn't even get onto the field for their first spring training game before they lost Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty. He said they're counting on the ageless Adam Wainwright, but the fact is he is nearly 41 and they're counting on miles michaelis and dakota hudson after they pitched in just an 11 combined games last year he writes it's still a good team of course and there's a good chance that the young outfield might be one of baseball's best mm-hmm. but even before the pitching concerns st louis fans weren't pleased the team didn't add a big bat particularly at shortstop he said there might be more uncertainty for yadier molina's final season than he or they would have liked
5: and what tear were the yankees
4: on Uh, The Yankees were up in Tier
5: 3. Interesting. Okay.
4: Yeah. So they were ahead of the Cardinals. Well ahead of the Cardinals as a... Actually, they were Tier 2, World Series or bust.
5: Wow, okay. So I'd
4: be more concerned about the depth of the Yankees starting pitching than the depth of the Cardinals starting so pitching. So would
5: I, which is why I'm surprised that they're so much higher than the Cardinals. Yeah. Now, Mike Petriello, I understand his thought process there because there are a lot of questions about the starting pitching, and I could see how he could think that that could be very detrimental to the success of the of the team. But I do think that Dakota Hudson could be such an important swing factor for this rotation. Miles Michelis has looked really sharp this spring. Now, will those things endure during the regular season tbd adam Wainwright, of course i'm not doubting adam Wainwright. right i know nope. a lot of people on the outside might be easy to doubt a guy who's headed towards his 41st birthday but until he gives me a reason to i'm certainly not doubting uncle charlie nope. and i'm looking at the best defense in baseball and an offense that is hopefully primed to take the next step and be that much more consistent so while i understand his thought process i would still take all those factors i just outlined and put them on a tier higher at least one tier higher
4: Yeah, I I would agree with that. All right, let's get to some mic drops and some text 65780. And our first mic drop will come from Ignacio. Ignacio, thanks for joining us on 101 ESPN.
2: Cardinals will make me happy if they make it to the playoffs because in the playoffs, everyone starts at 0-0 It's a fresh start, and with this team, we can definitely make it far in the playoffs. I definitely would like to see another run, especially this year, You know, being the last dance for Yachty, Waino, and
4: Pujols. That's a good call. If they make the playoffs, and like he says, a lot of people don't agree with this, but there is a randomness to the postseason. The 88-win Braves won last year, and the Dodgers did not, and the Giants did not. Yeah, if they make the playoffs, I think that would be a, a big positive.
5: It is all about getting hot at the right time, but I think Cardinals fans are a little tired of hearing that narrative. Oh, Mm -hmm. this is a team that's built to get hot in August and September, and that momentum propels us into the playoffs. Okay, that's true, but I think fans are ready to feel like their team is a true contender. They don't want to just rely on the randomness of momentum and the randomness of getting hot.
4: So that means you have to make your team as good as the Dodgers. Yeah,
5: and... right now I don't feel like they're there no
4: I don't I don't think they quite are either all right let's get another mic drop this is Derek who's next on 101 ESPN
7: I would say the Cardinals in 2022 would make me happy if they win the NL Central sitting here today I think they've got a lot of questions but what's new but with a lot of questions comes a lot of intrigue I think this team has a high ceiling I think it's got a pretty low floor too Hopefully they get closer to the ceiling and the floor. So we'll see where they're at in the beginning of September. But uh, yeah, go win the Central boys.
4: Derek, you and I are on the same page. I, I like being intrigued. I'd rather be intrigued by this team than be, for example, the Pirates or the Reds and kind of have an idea as to what they're going to be. This team is capable of doing magical things. There are some teams that aren't capable of doing magical things. I, I like being intrigued.
5: I like being intrigued too and I think that that intrigue will hopefully be there for the majority of the season I don't listen last year we thought they'd be in a better spot and June really derailed them the Jack Flaherty injury really derailed them so I don't want to say Nothing can happen that will make that in intrigue dissipate. But I think as long as you have those three guys in their final season, yeah. there's always so many storylines. This outfield, I am so intrigued by what we're going to see out of Carlson, Bader, and O'Neal this year. We have two gold glovers, a guy who finished third in rookie of the year voting, all primed to take that next step. This outfield could be such an intriguing mm-hmm. storyline. There's a lot this year that I think will keep us engaged.
4: Let's get one more mic drop here. And this is Ryan who joins us with a Rhino Shield mic drop on 101 ESPN.
7: cardinals will make me happy in 2022 if they use poo holes against all left-handed pitchers in the dh spot and get him to 700 career home runs i don't care about a world series at this point i want to see my childhood hero get 700 home runs with st louis on his final year what a send-off that would be
4: but ryan
8: hello You
5: play to win the game. You do. You don't play to just play it. No. That's the great thing about sports. Mm -hmm. Confirmed coach, it is. You do play to win the game, but how sweet would 700 be?
4: Yeah, it would be pretty awesome.
5: I think we'd all be pretty happy. And think about the the wave of emotions that would lead up to that. Think about Maguire-Sosa. Right. The countdown. Every game, there's that anticipation of, is he going to get one game closer? Oh, look, we're going to be looking at the matchups. Okay, where can we slot Albert into this? Is this a, a favorable pitching matchup? Oh, today could be the day. Let's buy tickets. I'm going to rearrange my schedule because I don't want to miss mm-hmm. one Albert Pujols at bat.
4: And you know what, Michelle? And it... it wasn't great for Cardinal Nation, but it was really interesting that in 1998, if McGuire would hit in the bottom of the eighth inning, if the Cardinals were down by a run or tied or up by a run, the stands would clear out. Once the show was over, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. The the, the show was McGuire. It wasn't winning baseball.
5: And the show could be Albert. It,
4: Albert, Yachty, and Waino.
5: But wouldn't it be great if it was both? What if 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 it was those guys and winning baseball? A double matinee?
4: Right. Let me throw one other thing out there about intrigue. Because in 1985, there was a poll of writers around baseball. And Whitey Herzog was expected to be the first manager fired. He had lost Bruce Suter, who had had 45 saves in 1984. Uh, they, They didn't have what was perceived as a stellar starting rotation. They brought in this loser from Boston and Pittsburgh named John Tudor. <laughs> and then they go out and they I, I believe they started out 40 and 40 and they wound up winning 101 games. Or no, 20 and 20. After 40 games they were they were at 500. And they wound up winning 101 games. You never know what's going to happen in a baseball season and that's the beauty of sports. Is That's why we, we sure we watch because we want to see our team win, but you hope, and you, you're you going to see something that you never dreamed would happen. And that's what we hope happens with the 2022 Cardinals. We're going to do this again at 9 o'clock, so keep those mic drops and texts coming. But coming up next, Bernie Federico talking the blues on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues Booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com.
4: The news opening up a three-game Western Canada trip tonight in Vancouver, 8 o'clock here on 101 ESPN, 830 pregame. On Bally Sports, Bernie Federco, the Hall of Famer, Blues Hall of Famer, and Bally Sports analyst joins us now as he does every hump day on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing
0: great, Randy. Couldn't be better. You know, if the rain would stop and go out and play some golf, it'd be nice, but <laughs> that's not going to happen.
4: <laughs> so, you, you grew up in Canada. You know cold weather. But now that you've been here long enough, aside from the rain, do you get out? Does it bother
0: you to go out and play in the cold weather? Do you even bother going out and playing golf in the cold weather? I do not. You know what? I, I, I love to play golf, but golf is meant to be played when it's warm and it's green and it's sunny. Agreed. <laughs> that's, that's my opinion. I, I do go play golf occasionally when it's cold, but no, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fair weather golfer.
4: <laughs> Bernie, Michelle and I asked the question of listeners earlier. If the Blues have a stretch here, a good three-game trip to Canada, will that make you trust them with all the inconsistencies of this year? If they have a good four-game-in-a-row stretch where they're playing well, will you trust them after that?
0: Yeah, I think this is a really good test right now uh, because of the way that Vancouver, I mean, you got Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton are all good teams. They're all desperate teams, too. I mean, maybe Calgary's not so desperate, uh, but certainly Edmonton and Vancouver are so uh, I would say yes. I mean, if they can get way and, and get, you know, points in all these three games, it would be great. And I think that, I mean, they're, they're a desperate team now. When you start looking at the standings, uh, it, it's, a, it's a little dicey right now. So, yes, this I think this is a really an important three-game trip.
5: And it starts, Bernie, tonight versus Vancouver, which the Blues just beat 4-1 to on Monday. Craig Berube talked about this a little bit with the guys in the fast lane yesterday. But what are some of the advantage of, advantages of playing a team back-to-back?
0: Well, you certainly, you know, you don't, you, especially when you just won the game. I mean, they're going to try to make some adjust, adjustments. Vancouver's going to make adjustments. And the Blues really know what kind of game that they're going to get. I mean, Vancouver played very good in the second period. Uh, I think the Blues are really are going to have to react to that and make sure that they don't get hemmed in their own zone like they did in the second period. But. You know what, Demko is going to be in goal instead of Halak, so it's going to be a, a different challenge there because Demko has played very well. But uh, you know what, I think the Blues obviously because they won the last game, it's it's good. I mean, you know uh, the players, you know what your matchups are going to be, and and you know I think the little different part about it is, is that obviously the Vancouver Canucks are going to get the last change; they're going to be able to decide who they you know get to play against which other line. So, I mean, I think that's going to be one of the factors. You know, having home ice advantage, but uh, the fact that the Blues won. Uh, the other night is, I think, uh, a positive for them going into Vancouver tonight.
4: Bernie Federko joining us on 101 ESPN the other night. Vladimir Tarasenko gets his 500th point. And if I'm not mistaken, Bernie, you lead the Blues all time with 1,073 points. You played with Hutter, Hull, Sutter, and Unger, the other three that had 500, right? He's the first guy. To, he, so he, Vladdy is the first Blues player to get to 500 points that either wasn't Bernie Federko or didn't play with Bernie Federko.
0: Well, and that's in a long time. I mean, when you, I mean, Holly was here in, the, in you know, really in the '90s. So I mean, this is a, a long time ago. I yeah. think when you look at it that way, it's, it's been a long time. And it, I was actually quite surprised when I saw that was Vladi was just the fifth guy to get to 500. So uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a great milestone. It's a nice milestone. And you know, Vladi has played very very well, and he's had a great year uh, this this year so far. So uh, hopefully, he'll continue it to to go and. Uh, you know what who knows what his future is but uh, you know he's one of those guys that can be here still for for a long time the way he's playing
5: absolutely bernie um let's talk about goaltending for a minute because that's something that i think has caused blues fans a lot of consternation <laughs> in recent weeks but billy huso allows five goals on saturday he records 35 stays in the blues four to one win over the canucks what did you think about the way that huso rebounded
0: it was a real good bounce back michelle i mean uh, you know uh, you know uh, it's you know everybody has always got the goaltenders under the microscope, which is kind of a scary thing. But uh, you know it's a last line of defense, so I guess there is a reason for that. But you know if you go back to that game, uh, uh, he did let let a bad goal, a second goal uh, in the game was was the game that the goal that uh, that I think he was probably disappointed with, and so was uh, Craig Berube. But as uh, i thought Billy bounced back with a really really good game. Uh, he played very good in the second period. That's when the Vancouver had really the, the majority of their chance, but they had 17 shots in the second period. So, you know, right now, the goaltending, in my opinion, is still up in the air. I mean, Ville has played very well, but, I mean, you've got a guy that, uh, you know, backstopped the Blues to 16 wins during the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2019 uh, you know, who is in the beginning of a long-term contract that pays them a lot of money. So, you know, th- these are decisions that are going to be tough going down the stretch here. So, I mean, I, I think that we're going to see more of Jordan Bennington. I think that, you know, the, the Blues are going to, you know, re- realize, and-, and I think that Craig Bruby will tell us all that, is that you need to have both goaltenders ready to play uh, when the playoffs start. So-, so I think this is going to be a-, a big test, but certainly Billy, you know, against Vancouver, I mean, two games against Vancouver. He's let in two goals now and 75 shots. So <laughs> I would expect that he's probably going to get the goal again tonight. But, you know, with back to back games on the weekend, uh, we're going to see Bennington again. Which game, we're not sure. But uh, certainly the goaltending has not been an issue this year. And I think both guys are certainly uh, deserve to play. And, and right now, the way Billy's playing, you're going with a hot hand. To, you know, why not continue to let him play?
4: Bernie Federico is with us on 101 ESPN. And Bernie, when I look at this team, I see the, the physical attributes. We've seen them do it before. A lot of times when a team is not great, it'll be because physically they don't have it. I want to get your take on this. Are there physical shortcomings here, or is the Blues' inconsistency strictly a mental issue?
0: You know, I, that's a hard question to answer, really, Randy. You know what? I mean, I think this team is not the physical team that we know from maybe 2019, I think this team has got more skill. I think this team maybe plays a different style um, because they've got four lines that can score. I mean, I think we're seeing the fourth fourth line now uh, being a little more physical now, um, you know, with McEachern up and, and with, uh, um, you know, with, with the ocean, the, uh, I'm losing his name, That was the young Russian uh, 65. Which yeah, oh uh, Yeah. Torbchenko. No, 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 Torbchenko, yeah. With Torbchenko in there now, I mean, that line's playing much more physical. But I think when you look at, you know, Mucinavich is really not a physical guy. He can be. But, I mean, I think this team is much more, you know, I guess a more finesse team. And the size of the defense now is not as big. So, I think they're not as physical. So, you know, the makeup of the team has, has changed. But I think that the team probably has to be a little more physical as we go into the playoffs. And because uh, you're seeing the way Nashville plays, you know, Minnesota's become, you know, much more physical as well. I mean, you know, Colorado can play any way that uh, anybody wants to play. Calgary. You know, plays physical. So the Blues are going to probably have to be a little more uh, physical as they go down the stretch into the playoffs. But certainly, I think the team, uh, the makeup of the team has changed a little bit. So I think they do play a different style.
4: Hey, Bernie, one last thing before we let you go. From an athlete's, a great Hall of Fame athlete's perspective, what was your take on Albert Pujols coming back to finish his career with the Cardinals?
0: You know what? I think it's great. I mean, these things are happening more and more now, and and you know what? Uh, you know what? The business of 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 sport now has changed so much over the years that uh, you know, with free agency, and and you know, guys, you know, uh, have the opportunity to go and and I, I guess see if the grass is greener on the other side. But you know, when you're beloved by a, an organization by the fans, I mean, it's at the end of your career to get the opportunity to come back to a place where you really made your name, where you made your mark. I think it's just absolutely something that is just marvelous to happen. Uh, and for Albert to come back, uh, you know, it would have been nice to see Brad Hall come back and, and finish his you know his career here. And I mean, I'm sure that the Edmonton Oilers would love to have, you know, Wayne go back to Edmonton for one last year, you mm-hmm. know, for what he had did there. So I think this is a great thing. It's a, it's, I guess, maybe a trend that, that has been that was started in the last few years. And I, and I think that it's fantastic. I think for the people here in St. Louis, they loved Albert and for the fans, And Albert loved it here, too. So I think this is really uh, a really great situation for Albert coming back.
4: Bernie Federco, you're awesome. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.
0: My pleasure. You guys have a great day.
4: You too. See you later. That's our friend, the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico on 101 ESPN. Michelle, I got this tweet yesterday, and I didn't bring it up, but I want to bring it up right now because Bernie uses the term, the grass isn't always greener. Mm-hmm. Another ancillary benefit to Albert Pujols being back in St. Louis is that he can tell people like Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader mm. and Jack Flaherty, hey, look, you can go for the money, but the grass isn't always greener.
5: I wonder how that will impact someone specifically like Jack Flaherty.
4: Yeah. Because, obviously, he thought, he said it at his introductory press conference in Anaheim. Hey, we're going to win world championships here. And he didn't win a playoff game. And then he sees the Cardinals go to a World Series and go to four NLCSs and keep going to the playoffs. Matthew?
2: To, to that point, I didn't think about this. How happy is Nolan Arenado right now that they, that they, they got <laughs> oh, a deal yeah. done? You know, He made that plea. Obviously, we played that audio the other, on Monday you know this is a guy who has opt outs and has options potentially and, and isn't you know here for you know locked in for six solid years and so making him super happy is is that's a huge thing that I just really haven't thought about until just now
5: and not only the winning aspect of this but how many times when Albert wasn't here did he talk about the best fans in baseball and right. the environment that you have at Busch Stadium and playing in front of people that care about the product and care about the organization it matters here it really does and it's not that way everywhere else
4: that's michelle i'm randy matthew is here coming up the fight on 101 espn
1: we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn welcome to the fight on character and smallman In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker.
5: It's that time of day. It's time to fight on Carriker and Smallman. We're Megamind, also known as Randy Carriker, our lovely co-host here. Challenge is one of our great listeners in a sports trivia competition. That listener today is Derek who's joining us now on one oh one ESPN. Good morning, Derek. How's your Wednesday?
2: Uh, it's rainy and gloomy, but
5: um, be hitting some errands here in a minute. So let's we'll see what I can do. Nice. What kind of errands are you running, Derek?
4: Uh, well, will hit the gym, but then I got to go to Lowe's and then probably
5: Kohl's. So oh, nice. nothing exciting. No, so unfortunately. As someone who recently got into the Lowe's slash Menards game, I, I know a lot of people love going to Lowe's or Home Depot or Menards. They love home projects. Those places give me so much anxiety. I walk in there. I'm like, there's there's too much. There's too many things that I need to do. I don't know how to navigate it. So good luck with that errand.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank
5: you. All right, Derek, you ready to take on Randy? I think I am. Yeah. I'm in. I think you are too. Good luck. All right, here we go. Question number one What men's college basketball program has the most Elite Eight appearances without advancing to the Final Four? Is it Wake Forest, Xavier, or Missouri?
8: Xavier.
2: Albert Pujols set or tied five offensive records in game three of the 2011 World Series, including tying the record for most hits, most runs, most home runs, and most RBIs in a game. And what record did he set outright? Is it total bases, doubles, or walks?
4: Walks.
5: Question number three, Derek, who has started the most opening day games at DH in Major League Baseball history? Is it David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, or Chris Davis?
2: Total guess, uh, Manny Ramirez. And number four, when Secondariat won the 1973 Triple Crown, in which race did he set a track record with a win by 31 lengths? Was that at the Preakness, the Kentucky Derby, or the Belmont? Belmont. No idea.
5: (laughs) (laughs) A Good guess. All right, here we go, confirming. Waving in Randy, who's coming in. Derek, confidence check, how you feeling, bud? Not great. The old Mo, not great. Gosh, have we gotten more mileage out of any soundbite in the history of 101 ESPN than we did the? Uh, not great not from great. Mo.
4: I don't think so. Probably not.
5: Does, I wonder if he knows that we utilize that so much. Yes.
4: You think so? Yes.
5: Hmm. I'm gonna go with yes on that one. I'll ask him the next time let's, we talk to him. Let's about, just I'll say I'll ask he him.
2: he hasn't said the phrase "low hanging fruit" in a very long time. That's that's how I see it.
5: Um. Not great. (laughs) What a great sound. (laughs) Randy, please say good morning to Derek.
4: Derek, good morning. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Hey, always. Thank you.
5: Okay, Randy, you ready to go? Ready. Question number one for Megamind. What men's college basketball program has the most elite eight appearances without advancing to the final four?
3: Um.
4: It's There can't be many that have more than three, like Mizzou. I'm going to go with M-I-Z.
2: Albert Pujols set or tied five offensive records in Game 3 of the 2011 World Series, including tying the record for most hits, runs, home runs, and RBI. What record did he set outright?
4: Okay, um... So it was hits, runs, homers, RBIs. Those Mm -hmm. were the first four. My guess would be, and this is a World Series game. World Series game record. If he set the record for hits, I'm going to go with total bases.
5: Randy, who has started the most opening day games at DH in Major League Baseball history?
4: Hmm... I think this is a uh this is a two-way shot here. And because Edgar Martinez played a lot of third and Poppy did not play a lot of first, so Poppy was basically 03 I'm going to go with Poppy with about 15.
2: And when Secretariat won the 1973 Triple Crown, in which race did he set a
4: track record with a win by 31 lengths? 31 lengths. This is its kind of like our show versus all the other sports shows in town. This is Secretariat in the Belmont. Also, happy birthday to Secretariat.
5: Oh, shout out Secretariat. HVD. HBD, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, any final answer?
4: Yeah, it's because you've got the Kentucky Derby and then you've got the Preakness. And I actually have the the gif or gif. Did you see that the uh, inventor of the gif or gif died last oh, weekend? No,
5: RIP, though. Gone too yeah. soon.
4: So, but I do have the gif or gif of Secretariat pulling away and winning by 31 links in the Belmont. It's one of my favorite analogies.
5: So I'm not even going to do the normal fluff that we do. Matt, just ring it.
3: Go so crazy, folks. Go so
5: crazy.
1: A winner and still champion of the fight.
4: Randy Carriker.
5: Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. You want that again, Michelle? Yeah. Just win, baby. I think a lot of people didn't hear it because, you know, the sponsorship was going. Derek, I'm so, Randy was just absolutely out of his <laughs> skull today. It's yeah. so damn hot. <laughs>
2: Milk was a bad choice.
5: Don't know if that applies, but I love it anyway. Derek, he got all four correct zero lifelines. He gets the jack. I'm so sorry. He beat you four to one. Yeah.
2: No worries. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Just have
9: you got a good day, it. everybody. And jo- you. Enjoy
5: your errands, Derek. <laughs>
1: Oh, man oh it's too hot man too hot too hot lady
5: all i do is win 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 no matter what don't stop believe it win win
4: win win i'm winning i'm
5: winning there we go there we go we good it's a, yeah it's about it should i that's about all i can do i think you've run through all of them
4: I think so, yeah. we got to get some new ones in there. People keep... Oh, you, you know what? I haven't gotten through all of my... I need to remember this one, though.
5: You I, need Nelly. I am number one. Our St. Louis guy.
4: That's a good idea. Yeah.
5: I'll come up with a list. Because we are burning through these. Another
3: one bites the dust. Yeah.
5: You win every day. So... <laughs> all right. Let's go through the answers. Excuse
3: me while I whip this out. <laughs> what?
5: Oh. This is a family program, it's, uh, Randy. blazing
2: saddles. <laughs> yes, That is an incredible quote, Paul. Wow. wow. Right wow. That's, that's incredible.
5: Let's not do that. Okay, so, <laughs> for the love of God. <laughs> I'd like to keep our jobs, people. Okay, so Missouri. <laughs> now, who can
9: argue with that? <laughs>
5: Things have gone so off the rails quickly. So Missouri is the men's college basketball program that has the most elite eight appearances without advancing to the final four. Let that one set in. M I Z, rough.
2: And it's you even worse like a, than a, it's even imagine worse imagine. than Randy guess. He said there's no way anybody has more than three. It's four. It's four. Oh, four. How have they done it four, four. times? Yeah, uh, but
4: one was before our time, yes. right? Still. Yes, yeah. but still.
5: You know still what that means? They're yeah. due. I still
2: carp big? about the Hawks winning a championship in St. Louis. You'd bet your bottom dollar <laughs> yeah. if Mizzou had gone to one in the 40s, I'd be talking about That's it. That's true, yeah. You
5: know what? We don't say that enough. I'll, you bet your bottom dollar. I'm a B- to, Annie fan. We, we need to bring bet that your back. Sweet Bippy. Yeah, you're you sweet behind. Yeah. It's your sweet Bippy.
4: Yeah, let me see if I can buy What's that for you. What's that well, well, you going through the answers? I've it, never uh, heard there, of Back Bippy. in the day, there was a show called Rowan and Martin's Laughing. I think
5: Rowan and, think, and Martin's Laughing. Yeah, that was the title.
4: Yeah, see, I'm an old person. Is that the one that Nixon appeared on? Like
5: after yeah. he
2: got
4: impeached? Yep. Oh my
2: gosh! Wow. I I, I, I've only ever heard it called Laughing. I didn't know it had a had a sponsor or the host name before it. Hmm.
5: Well. Bippy, all it. right. Team, you do that, Randy. So Albert Pujols has set or tied five offensive records in Game Three of the 2011 World Series, including tying the record for most hits, five runs, four home runs, three obviously RBI six, and he set the record for total bases outright with 14. David Ortiz has started the most opening day games at DH in Major League Baseball history with. 13. 13 games. And Secretary won the 1973 Triple Crown. That race he set a track record with a win by 31 lengths at the Belmont Stakes. But you already knew all of that because Randy got all four correct today.
4: And uh we appreciate you tuning in to Carrier and Smallman with Matthew Rocchio on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, you're killing me smalls, an early edition here on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
3: You're killing me, Smalls.
1: You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
4: It is time
5: for... You're killing me. Some major golf news, Randy. Major golf news yesterday at Augusta National. Tiger Woods played an 18-hole practice round with his son, Charlie, and Justin Thomas. And he's reportedly testing his fitness for next week's Masters. That's right. This is not a drill. Tiger Woods trying to see if he can endure walking Augusta National. He's trying to play the Masters. You
4: think Tiger has ever heard this before?
5: club horn? Has he
4: ever been to a club?
5: I think Tiger is very familiar with a club horn. You know, I would imagine most professional athletes are pretty familiar with the club horn.
4: I'm excited by this. I hope that he has the physical wherewithal 11 months later to play in the Masters we were wondering when he had the car accident heck he was wondering if he would even be able to save the leg so for him to be able to, to go out and play 18 at Augusta yesterday regardless of whether or not he had a cart or not is incredible and I hope that his competitiveness doesn't get the best of him and he, he is able to play four days in a row it's a big deal It's a different deal, playing four days in a row or two days in a row as opposed to just going out and playing 18 holes. And I hope that his competitive juices flowing don't get the best of him.
5: I wonder how he's feeling today walking the terrain at Augusta National yesterday. I'm sure today is a big monitor day to see how he's feeling and to see if he can go out there and do it again, but he must have been gearing up for this, whether it's practicing at different courses, because for him to even go out to Augusta and see if he can test it, you know that he's been feeling pretty good and that he's likely been walking courses to even get to this point, so I'm getting really excited. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get my hopes up for next week's Masters, but if Ty Tiger woods were to compete in the masters what an unreal story that would be 13 months after we thought he might even lose his legs or never walk again after that horrific car accident it was
4: um it would be amazing and oh by the way if charlie woods winds up being good enough to play on the tour and none of us know now whether he's going to be but what an advantage to have already played augusta national before he ever has to play a tournament there
5: what an advantage to play with your dad yeah that's pretty the- good too
4: <laughs> to have the same swing as your dad
5: yeah one of the greatest golfers if not the greatest golfer that we've ever seen. I would say that's a pretty good advantage, too, to have that be your trainer and mentor.
4: But even if, heck, even if he doesn't, just think about that as a a youngster like that, being able to go out and play Augusta National. Just have that be one of the days. Shouldn't that kid be
5: in school? I think that is his school, Randy. (laughs) I think 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 he's learning everything (laughs) he needs to learn out there with his dad and Justin Thomas. (laughs) You're killing me, Smalls. Not a great morning for Lakers fans, Randy. So LeBron James, LeBron James was out last night with a left ankle sprain, street clothes, also known as Anthony Davis. That's his government name. He was out with that right midfoot strain. Weren't playing, and the Lakers lost 128-110 to to the Dallas Mavericks. They trailed by as many as 37 points in this game last night. And for the first time since the first week of the regular season, they are on the outside of the play-in tournament, Randy. They've fallen down to number 11.
4: And they very easily, Easily now could just completely miss the playoffs a team with LeBron James who has had his injury problems this year but this team should be as talented as that first team in Cleveland that he went to the finals with even without AD but he's different he's older and I kind of think it'd be justice if uh, they miss the playoffs
5: why justice
4: because they tried to make things happen that weren't going to happen. They gave up all their kids they gave up all the players that the, the youngsters that were going to help them win in exchange for Russell Westbrook. They had to give up Ingram and and uh, Ball and the, the gang that they gave up to get Anthony Davis. I get that one and they won a championship but they overdid it in getting what Russell Westbrook
5: so the Lakers are sitting at number 11 in the Western Conference. There's only seven games remaining, and their head coach Frank Vogel says it's playoff mode already. It's been activated. We
4: identified you know, right before that, that Pelican game games as you know these are our playoff games. And, you know, the playoffs start for other teams, you know, when when whenever the actual regular season ends. You know, but every game matters uh, for us right now. So you know, there's a, a playoff series uh, element to. Um, you know, these final games, you know, and you start talking about what the mindset is, you know, the intensity is just a notch higher, uh, the focus has to be a notch higher, every possession matters, no text, no delay games. games, um, you know, you have to get every loose ball, um, you have to execute every coverage, uh, you know, that's controllable, um, you know, all those types of things that go into a competing and playoff series, and we talk about those things with our guys uh, in the group. You know, and and obviously the assistant coaches, when they're doing their their individual film work with these guys and and, and pregame, you know, they're talking to those guys as well. Michelle, when you look at the rest of their schedule, tomorrow they're at Utah. Utah battling for home field or home court in the first round of the playoffs, battling for the fourth seed. Then they are going to have New Orleans at home, the Lakers are. New Orleans has owned them this season then they visit denver denver battling with utah for that fourth seed in the west then they go to phoenix best team in the west then they're at golden state and then golden state now even though they're diminished because of injuries they're battling for playoff positioning then oklahoma city at home oklahoma city has beaten the lakers this year and then they go to denver again they very easily could not win another game wow lakers
5: you're right not a, not great, Randy. Matthew,
4: is, who's our uh, NBA insider here. You are Brian Windhorst. Wendy, go to it. I, know, well, I told <laughs> you about this yesterday, Randy. That means we're
2: going to see no more LeBron on the graphics for the Lakers Twitter. They don't. They don't put him up when they lose. <laughs>
4: that's great. Yeah, Th- that's a great story. Is it for every Lakers loss this year? LeBron has never wound up on a Lakers graphic.
7: Hmm.
2: They, they've never used LeBron or Westbrook in a losing graphic this season. A YouTuber went through their entire like four like sixty games of their of their post game posts, and not hmm. a single time has he ever been used on a losing graphic.
5: Don't want to blame the king.
2: Nope, that wasn't his contract either.
5: You're killing me, Smalls. Randy Cardinals and Nationals today. 12-05 start for the Redbirds. Would you like the lineup?
4: I would. Yeah, hold on. (laughs) That's a fast lane thing.
5: Yeah, well, if we're doing the lineup, I guess we need to steal their club horn. But I'm not going to guess. Okay, let's not guess. We've got Carlson, Goldie, O'Neal. Get that club horn ready. Coming in. Hitting fourth for your St. Louis Cardinals, Albert Pujols at DH. Awesome. Rounding out the lineup, DeYoung, Molina, Bader, Edmund, and Donovan.
4: I'm excited about Albert hitting fourth and DHing for the Cardinals. It's going to be great.
5: I can't believe I just said that out loud. Batting fourth for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2022, Albert Pujols. Amazing.
4: That's fantastic
5: you're killing me small and finally randy i saw this on social media yesterday and you know i see certain things that i just i know it's content that's tailored for you and we didn't really get to talk a lot about the chris rock will smith slap heard around the world because oh albert Pujols got signed back to the cardinals which i think is a little bit more important at least on this show but um we have heard a lot of commentary about this slap. Will Smith has apologized. We've heard from different celebrities. We've heard from all sorts of people on different talk shows about this. But there's one person who we haven't heard from yet that I know you've been dying to hear from, and that's O.J. Simpson, who took to Twitter yesterday to give his thoughts on Will Smith assaulting Chris Rock. a
4: sharp response. <laughs> it was
3: unfortunate.
1: I, I, I think Will was wrong. Uh, look i understood the feeling now uh, in my life i've been through a lot of crap and i was raising two young kids and every comedian in the country had an oj routine and don't think i wouldn't want to be slapped a couple of those guys but you gotta accept it's it's humor and i didn't even think that was all that egregious. i thought it was a semi-unfunny joke but i i i don't know i don't get it
5: i know this after what happened to me in Las Vegas, if I would have done that
3: in front of a billion people watching around the world, they would have given me life without it. I'm just saying, hey, take care.
5: By the way, OJ, uh, you can hear the club in the background. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe we get the club horn for OJ. He was on spring break. Oh. <laughs> yeah, checking in from the club.
4: So I really thought that he was going to say I could relate because I've had black outrage before. <laughs>
5: I just think it's amazing that O.J. Simpson wants to take to, to Twitter to give his commentary on every single thing that happens mm-hmm. in the media cycle. And it, it's just something that we exist with. Every, here's O.J. talking. Every time I see him pop up on the timeline, Randy, I think of you, though.
4: Well, I'm glad that you do because it's it's staggering the amount of content that he has provided us over this. It, it's amazing. It's, you the Norm
2: MacDonald well, of what ESPN when it comes to the O.J. Simpson jokes.
4: I think my humor is a little bit more cutting than,
5: <laughs> oh
4: than O.J. Simpson's.
5: He really does take a stab at current events, you know? He does.
4: And you know what, Michelle? I know a lot of people got fired up over Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. I didn't lose my head over it.
5: Randy, that's too far. Too far. That's it. That's the end. You're killing me, Small is over. Fade the music. We're going to break. Too much, Randy. Coming up, the the Cardinals will make me
4: happy in 2022 if on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
5: Brought to you by Stricker Nobi John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com.
4: confirmation of a big name guest for tomorrow Michelle at 9 a.m. right uh, about this time.
5: We're all excited about Albert Pujols returning to St. Louis. Um, For some people, Albert Pujols is their favorite player. You know who one of those people are? (laughs) We can count among them is Nolan Arenado, Randy and he's going to join us tomorrow at 9 a.m.
4: Looking forward to that, so put that on your calendar in your phone so that you know to use that appointment listening to Carrick and Smallman, Nolan Arnauto, tomorrow morning at 9. Michelle, the Cardinals were nice enough to send us some beautiful calendars that they put together for 2022. The 2022 Cardinal calendar includes classic images of Adam Wainwright and Yachty Molina,
5: and you're one that in your new house is probably going to hang that calendar up. Well, Randy, I, uh, I hope you don't mind, but since we both got one, you got one, I got one, one, I was thinking we as a collective don't need two. So right. I'm going to nominate you to put yours in our show office. And then I was thinking, well, we I have an, an extra one. Maybe we should give it away.
4: That's a great idea.
5: And now with Albert Pujols back, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of merchandise that have Albert, Yachty, and Wayno together, the three of them. So this calendar with just Wayno and Yachty is kind of a collector's item, no?
4: It is a collector's item, and it's it's beautiful, and if people have the social medias going, all they need to do is go to the Instagram, and they'll get an opportunity to win this calendar from Michelle.
5: So how should we do this, Randy? I, people should follow both of us. They right. should follow you at RJ Carriker and follow me at Smallman. That's O-N-M-O-N, mm-hmm. not M-A-N. And I had thrown up a story saying, that look at this beautiful calendar. Every month, glossy photos of Wayno and Yachty just being iconic, just being goats. Amazing. Um, and maybe we should give it away. So why don't we have somebody respond to that story with a code word and we'll select a winner.
4: Okay. That's a great idea. And I have a fun code word. Okay, let's go. Because he's not in the calendar with Yadi and Wayno, but Mang, M A N G, Mang should be in the calendar, but it was too late. It was he too signed, late. He signed too late.
5: It was pre printed.
4: Yeah. So all you have to do is follow Michelle at M Smallman, follow me at RJ Karaker, K A R R A K E R, and then respond to Michelle's story, her Instagram story, with the word Mang, and we will pick out a winner
5: and with opening day right around the corner this would be the perfect time for you to hang that calendar get really fired up about the cardinals it's a beautiful it's a beautiful calendar
4: so normally when the cardinals make their calendar you've got a different player every month yeah and i figured when i saw the cover i said oh this is going to be all yadi and bueno and it's my favorite calendar that they've ever turned out
5: wow well and someone has the opportunity to have one and even after the year is over it's something that you could keep
4: right it's going to be great all right we asked earlier The Cardinals will make me happy in 2022 if. That's the mad lib, and we've got some texts, and we've got some mic drops that we want to get to. And let's get to Tim on 101 ESPN. Good
6: morning, guys. Um, The Cardinals will make me happy if, and it just depends on a few situations. I think depending on where you're at in the All-Star break, if you're in first or second place in the division, the Cardinals will make me happy if... They make a move to, you know, on paper guarantee they're making a playoff spot. If they show, you know, if they're close enough and they show that they can go and get a guy to make them a clear favorite in the division, that would make
4: me happy. And uh, I would suggest, and yes, I do think Milwaukee is better, but I think the Cardinal lineup is better. What makes Milwaukee better now is Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. Are they going to be able to duplicate what they did last year? Is Josh Hader going to be able to keep going after all the innings that he's thrown in the last three years? Devin Williams was hurt last year. How good are the Brewers going to be? And if Flaherty comes back, if, big if, then all bets are off. I don't think that the Cardinals can make a move now that you say that guarantees they're going to make the playoffs. I believe, The only team in the National League that's guaranteed a playoff spot as we sit here on March 30th is the Dodgers.
5: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, But with the Cardinals, I have no questions about the defense. I tend to think that June was such an outlier last year if you look at the rest of the offensive production from the Cardinals would you have liked more sure were you okay with it yes and I expect them now that everyone's on the same page philosophically Randy Mm -hmm. to be fine when it comes to their offensive production all the questions that I have are about pitching and about health
4: and That's reasonable. And by the way, one of the things that they need to do, and we've mentioned this stat before, you got to keep number 48 healthy. Last year, Mm -hmm. when Harrison Bader played, the Cardinals were 61 and 41. They were 20 games over 500. And when. 61 and 40 i'm sorry 21 games over 61 and 40 when harrison bader played 29 and 32 under 500 when he didn't 21 games over when he played under 500 when he didn't so keep him healthy
5: do you think he's kind of the oscar sunquist of this cardinals team a little bit of an engine
4: i think so and there's an old adage and a lot of teams especially in an analytics era don't adhere to this but I think it still applies. If you're strong up the middle, you're good. And I don't know that you can find a better up the middle defensively than Molina, whether it's Sosa or DeYoung, Edmund and Bader. I don't, I don't think that you can. Or let's get to Lisa on 101 ESPN.
5: Morning all, so what would they do to make me happy is recognize throughout the season something that can make the team better and do it. You know, like really do something to impact the team. Because
6: I understand the nostalgia we're gonna have, Randy, this reminds me, Michelle reminds me of the ninety eight
0: season where we're, you know, we were hung up with McGuire. now we're hung up with these three.
5: I actually would like our team to be trying to win in October again. So when they recognize something through midseason, really do something to impact and make the team truly better.
4: I totally get that. And as we said earlier in the show,
3: hello,
8: You play to win the
4: game. At the end of the day, that's what you're doing, but my question would be, with Albert, with the addition of Albert, are the Cardinals worse, or are they better?
5: I don't I, think they're worse.
4: And, and I know that people want wanted to go get Castianos. And I he's, was in that camp. He's a hundred million, and Pujols is two and a half million. I, I would suggest, and I was thinking about this this morning, and I'm, I'll look it up for you, and I'll have it for you tomorrow. Look at all the free agents that signed for two and a half million dollars or less this year, and tell me who you wanted more than Pujols, and Dick Vermeil always talked about, people would say, well, why would you sign Galen Hyder? What difference does a guy like that make? Why would you sign Charlie Clemens? And DV was really big on filling out the bottom of the roster. He said, that's where you win, is with depth at the bottom of your roster. Your, your top-level talent is going to be top-level talent. But when you have injuries, you need to fill out the bottom of your roster. And I think the Cardinals improved the bottom of their roster by replacing Juan Yapez with Albert Pools. So there you have it. Coming up next, we're going to talk some STL City SC with Taylor Twelman of ESPN, the native St. Louis, and joins us next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. And always great to go to the Brown and Croupin Celebrity Line. When waiting on the other end is St. Louis and Taylor Twelman of ESPN. He is the preeminent soccer expert in America. And it's always great to have him with us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Taylor. How are you doing?
9: How are you, Randy? Well, what's your Venmo for that intro? <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know what? That that's a cop because we were so happy over the course of the last week. We've had the uh, STL City Two victory, and we had the U.S. Men's National Team win. There's nothing negative about this.
9: No, there there is uh, there's something brewing special, especially in my hometown. Um, It's just remarkable. I came back for it. Uh, You know, my family's been involved with this sport for a long, long time. So many people, you know, soccer's been at the fabric of this city for 50, 60, 70 years. So to see St. Louis City, two kick off what the Taylor family and the Kavanaugh family have been trying to build, I drove by the stadium. Guys, it is insane. I don't think people in St. Louis understand that it is easily going to be the most innovative stadium in the country, let alone Major League Soccer, uh, what it's going to do to that city. But Randy and Michelle driving around and understanding, like, it doesn't look like a spaceship landed in the middle of the, uh, of the city and just built a $250 million stadium. It's, like, ingrained next to Union Station. You have to kind of find it. I, I don't think people fully understand how special of uh, – uh, of a building. It's going to be a game day experience. And ultimately, the pressure's on Lutz, Fon, and and everyone to make sure they bring a winning team from opening day.
5: You're right, Taylor. It's an absolutely beautiful building, and I can't wait for people to experience it. But you were on the call for the MLS Next Pro match, and it was a sold-out event. A lot of people were there. It seemed like a great scene. But for those who weren't, take us there. Tell us what the environment was like.
9: Honestly, Michelle, it just was going down memory lane for so many of us because that field has brought so many memories to so many people in the world of soccer down at Herman Stadium at Saint Louis U. Even before it was Herman Stadium, my father won a state championship <laughs> on that field for Saint Louis U. High. So it just it, it was surreal in the sense that we all know the history of Saint Louis University. We all know the history of soccer in this in this city for what it's done since the 1950 World Cup. So to be there where it's kicking off and almost as if it was passing the torch to the Taylor family and to the Kavanaugh family to now take it to the next level, to now move it on to where it should be, and that is in a state-of-the-art stadium. So for me, 6,000, 7,000, however many was there with the overflow, it just felt like the real... The real proper way to say, you know what? This is what soccer has always been in St. Louis, but we are now ready for what soccer is going to be. And I think it was the right way to kick it off. And we all know that this thing is going to go to an entire new level with Major League Soccer finally coming to the city. But the environment was there. It always is there. State championships in high school have five, 6,000 people there. So, Michelle, it was nothing new to anyone from St. Louis, I just think people outside of St. Louis saw clips of the game, saw highlights of the game, and said, wait a minute, that, this is the second team. This is the developmental team, and yet here we are, 7,000 people there. No other <laughs> team's going to have 7,000 in MLS Next Pro. Make no mistake about it. And I think MLS knew if we're going to kick this thing off, we're going to kick this thing off, right? But we're also going to honestly allow St. Louis to introduce themselves, and for me, it was just the right way of passing the torch saying, all right, here you go, Carolyn kindle Betts, now take us to another level.
4: Taylor, you know what an MLS player, a really good soccer player looks like. So with that being the case, from what you saw the other night, how do you think the developmental plan for City is going? Did you see MLS players when you watched City 2 the other night?
9: I mean, Randy, honestly, you, what you see, what we saw Friday night is not what you're going to see two, three months from now. I think uh, St. Louis City did a fantastic job with Lutz von allowing him to go out and get people that understand MLS and John Hackworth is a fantastic hire for this franchise in the league because he knows what MLS looks like. He knows what U.S. soccer looks like. He can call anyone and everyone and get things done. So Hackworth is going to have a huge say of that. But what we saw – Friday night is not what we're going to see two, three months from now. And what I mean by that is quite simply this, for the listeners at home, there is a 16-, 17-year-old kid within St. Louis City, and maybe not even within St. Louis City right now, that will represent that first team in the next 24 to 36 months. And that's what that's about. It's less about winning those games, even though you want to build a winning culture. It's more about – giving the 12, 13, 14-year-olds in the city that have been there since 1950 of saying, listen, now your dream can be had and you can actually represent your city at the highest level of soccer in this country. So to answer your question, Randy, sure, there may be. But I'm not worried about what I saw Friday night. I would be more concerned what I see four or five months from now and ultimately 24 months from now because that team should be loaded with St. Louis kids that are from the ages of 15 to 19 or 20 because that's what that team and that level is going to be
1: about.
5: Taylor, I wanted to ask you some other soccer questions outside St. Louis. Let's talk about Italy losing to North Macedonia in the World Cup qualifier. There's a lot of people that are saying the qualifying format is absurd. They, they should really look into changing the construct of this. And then there's other people who are saying to Italy, if you don't like it, play better. Where do you fall in that argument?
9: Uh, both. And, I'm, <laughs> and Michelle, you've known me for a long, long time. I don't sit on the fence. Right. Never have, never will. There's the, both is the right answer, and here's why. Because Ecuador and Uruguay are going to qualify for the World Cup from South America, and they both have five or six losses. However, they properly go about World Cup qualifying because you play each team home and away. The top four teams go fifth, goes to the playoff. That's the right way to do this. Now, Europe can't do that because you've got countries of a lower level that are in this, so you've got to break it up. The truth of the matter is this. Italy only lost two of their last 43 games. That was 2019 against Spain in Nations League and 2022 to North Macedonia. However, Italy only won one of their last six games. So if you're going to draw with Bulgaria, you're going to draw with Northern Ireland, you're going to draw Switzerland, then you have to go into the playoff. And so Italy should have done better. They should have played better. However, there's got to be a middle ground in understanding well, wait a minute here, like, is there a way that you can maybe put this out there where, okay, if a team isn't totally losing, but they're not winning, are they put into a predicament where they are? But it's North Macedonia, and with all due respect, Michelle, they outshot them 32-4. So, so the truth of the matter is, Italy, on that given day, you weren't good enough and with all due respect, I like earning it on the field versus the merit off of it. And I don't think Italy did enough.
4: I wonder if the Italian version of Taylor Twelman went on TV and said, What are we doing here? <laughs>
9: Andy, They did. Um, I, I just think they, they were allowed to do it in a manner that maybe I wasn't allowed to do it in a uh, Disney platform.
4: <laughs> Got it. Hey, and then I want to ask you about the U.S. men's national team the other night. Uh, for, for everything that we've dealt with over the last eight years, are you excited about what you're seeing now?
3: Yeah,
9: I am. Um, you know, I, I say that hesitantly because it's still CONCACAF and we have not... Randy over the last four years seen the United States men's national team partially due to COVID and partially because of the new layout of friendlies. and what. We haven't seen them against high-level competition. You know, the best team that they've played is Mexico four times, and this is easily the worst version of Mexico in the last 24 years. And so you've got to see, however, this is a redemption tour, uh, nobody, and I mean nobody, after tonight's game against Costa Rica, wants to see my mug on the face t- saying, what are we doing? So <laughs> under no circumstances should they lose by six goals. They won't. But the next question is, well, where do they fit in the World Cup landscape? Where do they fit in the world? And nobody with a right mind can say they know that answer because you haven't seen Greg Berhalter in the United States against anyone of high-level competition. And so that's where my reservation is. But I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and take away from that. I've, I'm going to have 220 days to talk about that. Tonight is about qualifying for the World Cup. Tonight is about getting rid of the what are we doing gifts and memes. And that is ultimately why I'm looking forward to tonight.
5: Taylor, I hate to break it to you. We're never going to get rid of those. They're stuck, they're stuck there forever. Uh, and finally, well, Taylor.
9: Michelle, The last two years, I feel like that meme worked for a lot of things. It, sure yes, did. it did. It absolutely did.
5: Well, last thing. Taylor as a native St. Louisan, as a sports commentator, as a sports fan, I wanted to get your reaction to Albert Pujols returning to the St. Louis Cardinals.
9: It's where he should say goodbye. This is where he should say goodbye. And I will always applaud. And I've said this on the record and I'll say it again. The Cardinals did right. With that renewal, and he went to Anaheim and all of that, however, it just didn 't look right. it just didn 't feel right. He wore the red red and white out in Anaheim, California, yet all of us felt like well technically he 's wearing cardinal red let 's be honest <laughs> um, for me, this is the right go the, the right way to go out. Albert deserves this, the St. Louis fan base deserves this, uh, de Witt and the family all the, they all deserve this, and so I hope he gets a fantastic year where he 's healthy and gets to do this the right way because that is the way Albert played his entire career. Uh, those of you that are listening that know I was in the state uh, tournament in high school and Albert was on the other side of the field in the bracket. So uh, I've always watched Albert out of the corner of my eye to see what kind of career he's had. I, If you asked me in 1997, if he was going to hit over 650 home runs, I would have told you you're out of your mind. Well, <laughs> guess what? I was out of my mind, but it's the, Michelle, it's the right way
4: to end this thing. Taylor, it's so great to hear your voice. We have to do this more often, especially, heck, we're inside of a year now before St. Louis City SC plays, so we need to catch up here on this show more often.
9: Absolutely. Randy, Michelle, the show's fantastic. Keep it going.
4: You too. Thanks. Take care. That is the great Taylor Twelman on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, coming up, we're going to talk to one of Albert Pujol's teammates from the 2006 World Champions, along with teammates with Yachty. He was a backup to Yachty and Adam Wainwright. Gary Bennett joins us next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Michelle and Randy. And uh, the story of the week, obviously, here in St. Louis is Albert Pujols returning to the Cardinals, a guy who played on that 06 World Championship team with Albert and with Adam Wainwright. He backed up Yadier Molina, is Gary Bennett, who's a friend of the station, and it's always good to have him with us on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Good morning, Gary. How you doing?
8: I'm doing great. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Randy. So you spent
4: a couple of days here in the St. Louis area, Columbia, and then uh, last night here, right?
8: I did, yes. Yes. Uh... Uh, watched the game last night in Sager. I guess that's how you pronounce that? Correct. Uh, Illinois playing Illinois play Missouri. So, uh, yeah, I did spend a little bit of time in the area.
5: Awesome. Well, Gary, we need to get your immediate reaction. When you heard that Albert Pujols had signed a one-year deal to return to the Cardinals, what was your first thought?
8: Oh, man, I just – this is awesome. You know, um, no no offense to the Angels. Uh, oddly enough, same color scheme, but he never <laughs> really looked as good in that uniform as he looked in the Cardinal uniform. That's That's without question.
4: And – It's interesting because we've talked to so many people who talked about the impact that he had last year on going to a a veteran Dodgers team. Gary, you bounced around and and you had a leadership role with a lot of teams. How does that manifest itself? How do you try to help out young players?
8: Oh, I think, you know, it's oddly enough in this this time in baseball, everyone's talking, you know, analytics and a lot of technique and, and mechanics and, When you get to the major league level, um, 90% of us, probably 95% of us, have very, very similar talents. The other 5% are just gifted beyond belief. And what separates is is how you see the game, how you view the game, how you adjust to the game, uh, how you deal with adversity and failure. And and those that are able to do that, I I think, are able to prolong their career and and, and be – Uh, help their team get to whatever roster they're on and be a, a positive addition and that's the things veterans are able to do is sit down with younger guys uh you know year one year two year three in the major leagues and go through the mental side of the game which is the most difficult part of the game by far
4: and when you talk about being observant to the game i don't know if you remember this but after the first night game at the new ballpark albert said that there was a problem with the lighting and the lighting people said no there's no, no problem they're they're great and he <laughs> said come out here the next night and i'll show you so they did it was a, a day game or a night off the next time and he the, the lights people were, were all out there and he said look there, there's a problem right here and there was he noticed a problem that nobody else did
8: and, and that's a perfect example is is the greats just see things differently. They pick up on their attention to detail as it pertains to the game. They just see things differently. And it's it's going to be a huge addition, in my opinion, not only just to have him back for baseball in a Cardinal uniform, but for guys just to be around him and, and talk the game and, and how he approaches the game, what he sees. Um, and, and a lot of times you have your hitting coach, but a lot of times as, as teammates, you lean on each other too because you see each other so much every day. You're working with each other. There's, there's different groups that work together in the cages. So you're seeing each other swing so often. And for him to, to be on that bench for, for their hitters, and, and actually pitchers too, which is very valuable, the great hitters can actually talk to the pitchers about maybe their tipping or where they're approaching certain hitters or the way they're seeing certain hitters approach their pitches. So for both sides, it's going to be very, very valuable.
5: Gary, in 2006, if we would have told you that Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, and Adam Wainwright would still be playing together for the Cardinals in 2022, what would you have said?
8: Man, how, how first I would have said I absolutely hope so, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> uh, but how amazing is that? I mean, those three back together and all they've done in the game together and wherever else Albert's gone, obviously. But it's going to be so awesome to see those guys together opening day.
4: And – the amazing thing about the three, to me, is Yachty. You played that position. You know how difficult it is. And it's not like he's playing 60 games a year. He's playing 140 games every year, and he's going to go out there here. He's going to turn 40 this year. It, to me, that's the most remarkable thing of all of this.
8: Absolutely blows my mind. What, what he does back there, and still at the level he does it, wants to be back there every single day, doesn't want days off, and the level that he still performs at with the wear and tear, the miles he's put on his body squatting back there, is, it blows my mind. It's absolutely mind-boggling.
4: Gary Bennett, former Cardinal catcher with us on 101 ESPN, and you were with him early on in his career, but you've watched. You still pay attention to the Cardinals. Gary, what is it about Yadier Molina that lets him make his pitchers better?
8: I think going back to what I mentioned with, um, you know, veteran guys watching the game, experiencing so much in the game, what he's seen behind the plate, the guys he's caught, the situations he's caught in, um, that experience and that wisdom that he uh, can impart on on young guys. And because with young players, you know, the game speeds up on you, it's it's the best of the best, uh, big crowds, a lot of energy. Um, sometimes things don't always go that well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, your in brain, your brain, things speed up. And the ability just to walk guys through, hey, I've, this is what I've seen in the past. This is what I've seen you do in the past. This is what I've seen others do in the past. This is what I know about this hitter. Here's how I know we get through this situation, that type of stuff. And in between games, you know, on the bus, on the plane, you know, guys have – uh, unfortunately I had more downs than ups and, you know, on your brain, you're just sitting there thinking, thinking, you want to talk the game and just putting your arm around a guy, you know, just talking about Yachty, putting your arm around a pitcher and just talking about maybe a last outing, maybe talking about a few, uh, selections or, or decisions he made throw certain pitches or how he missed, why he missed, uh, that type of stuff. He's, he's beyond another coach on the field. He's, he's with that much knowledge behind the plate. It's, it's tough to put into words what he brings to a pitching staff.
5: Gary, I don't think we talk about this as often as we should, because Yadier Molina wants to play every single game. He wants to be there for every single pitch. But when I think about somebody that has played that position and the grueling nature that it takes to do that physically, game in and game out, and he's done it since 2004 at the professional level, and here we are in 2022, I wonder how his body feels all the time. It's something that I always think about. Can you speak to that a little bit, just what you think physically Yadier Molina might be dealing with, or the way he needs to maintain his body in order to be able to do what he does every day?
8: Michelle, I think that's the key you just touched on, is the way he's able to maintain his body. And and this is what I should have touched on when you asked me if I'd believe he'd still be playing. His his preparation and work ethic, um, you know, he's relentless and taking care of himself, getting his rest, uh, even just jogging, flushing out your body, lactic acid afterwards, riding the bike. Um, All that being said, you could do everything possible and you're still with what he's done on the plate and the miles he's logged, he's still going to have aches and pains. So I imagine, uh, knees, you know, ankles back the thing, the foul tips, you know, off the finger, off the wrists, uh, after week one of spring training as a catcher, there's, you're never a hundred percent body wise. Something is always achy. There's a bruise always somewhere. So, um, I, I would just say, I would think most of his discomfort, if he has any, um, hopefully he doesn't, but I'm betting he does would be around the hips and the knees and the back, you know, and that that's just the squat and the up and down, the bending, uh, the quick movement side to side uh, before, you know, the collisions at the plate he's had, that's a little less in today's game, but still all that adds up to just the, the wear and tear. So, uh, Hopefully he feels as best he can, but there's no doubt there's some little aches and pains.
4: Former Cardinal catcher Gary Bennett, one last thing. You're involved with the Slammers Baseball and Softball Trading Academy up in Chicagoland, and obviously everybody now has access to or at least knows about the technology and the analytics. What do you think the biggest advantage that young baseball and softball players have now is that wasn't in place when you were getting ready to start a pro baseball career?
8: I think there's a lot more accessibility to uh, some of the just video one, just seeing your swing. Um, I I don't think I I saw my swing. I was in the minor leagues, maybe a little bit from mom filming me in high school, but you didn't have the ability to sit down and break it down, you know, and, and, and what am I feeling versus what am I doing? Um, A lot of times it's when you're not going well, it's pitch selection versus your swing. So I think analytics allows you oddly enough to not think so mechanical, and by that I mean is sometimes if I'm watching side-by-side video and I, I'm not going well, a lot of times I'm chasing bad pitches versus mechanics are completely different in my swing. Um, that, um, along with the the visualization techniques, you know, there's virtual reality out there now where you can really sit in a box and, and feel like you're, you're actually watch the picture you're going to face. Um, I think there's a, there are certainly a lot of benefits. Uh, the downside to that is you can uh, – and now apparently uh, you can overdo it mentally. You know, there's too much. You just flood the system with too much uh, data and, and think too much. You know, this game is is, is athleticism, see, and react. Um, and and sometimes a lot of that analytics creeps over into game time when it's – once the game starts, see ball, hit ball, trust the work you've put in. But I think the downtime, the, the workouts, the uh, – the one-on-one lessons in a cage or, or you're your, by yourself in a cage and seeing video, I think that's where it helps the most.
4: Hey, Gary, it's great to hear your voice. Thanks for your insight on uh, this Cardinals, and it's going to be a great run for those three in uh, their f- presumably final season in Major League Baseball, but it was great to, to <laughs> you hear never your know, voice.
8: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. We'll
4: do it again soon. That's uh, Gary Bennett, former Cardinal catcher, joining us on 101 ESPN.
5: He was just going to say there, I heard him say, you never know, and he's right. You do never know. Yadier Molina could change his mind. <laughs> we may be talking about him two years from now. Who knows?
4: We're going to head down the stretch with Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Of the day on our Twitter poll at Randy Carraker is Does your dog sleep on your bed? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. Michelle, so far, 1,600 votes. 58.7% saying yes, my dog does sleep on my bed. 41.3% saying no, my dog does not sleep on my bed.
5: Now, for those people who voted no, I admire you because mm-hmm, you that too. that was my intent.
9: That's good training.
5: Yes, for my dog to not sleep on my bed. It didn't end up that way. I couldn't endure the crying and the jumping up on the side of mm-hmm. the bed. I relented. My dog owns me. Definitely got the better of me. So for those of you who stuck to your guns and stuck to the training, I really do appreciate and commend you. I wish I was you.
4: My dog actually shares a pillow with me.
5: Okay, Randy, that's too much.
4: So that's just the way it works. I don't have any choice.
5: <laughs> shares a pillow. Yeah. Wow. And you have a oh. golden retriever. You have a big dog.
4: Right. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's her, sometimes it's Moose, but one of them always seems to find their way up to my pillow. Wow. Yeah.
5: So yeah. you basically have no ownership of your own bed.
4: No, I don't have any ownership of my own life.
5: What do you mean? Come on. No, those
4: dogs control the house. They do? Oh, they're they're in charge and they know it. Yeah. Well,
5: on your Instagram feed last week, we did see uh, Darby Shaw, right? Darby uh, Shaw's yeah, birthday. Yeah, Shawshank. S- Shoshang sitting at the breakfast table, eating
4: have, breakfast at the breakfast table,
5: sitting in a chair with a tutu on for her birthday. Yeah, so I I can see how they run your life, and yeah. people should see that on your Instagram because it was a hilarious photo.
4: That Instagram at RJ Carrick, and you can go to Michelle's Instagram at M Smallman S M A L L M O N and. Michelle is giving away her Cardinal calendar for 2022, which features Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright.
5: That's right. It's a collector's item now because Albert Pujols is back in the mix. I'm sure they're going to put out a lot of Cardinals giveaway content with Albert, Yadier, and Waino. But this is a great calendar. It has Waino and Yadier just doing their thing, just being icons. Every month, great photos, and since Randy got one, I nominated him to put his in his show office, and we're going to give ours away. So all you need to do is respond to my story with the code word, Randy, which is?
4: Bang, because you've got... Wayne, and you've got Yachty on the calendar, and so you need the other guy. So Mag, Mag. Mang M A N G is the code word if you respond to Michelle's story on the Insta. Michelle, I would think this week the Budweiser ballpark pass for twenty twenty two has become even more popular mm-hmm. for thirty-four ninety nine a month. It gives you the opportunity to attend as many Cardinal home games as you want for that monthly fee of thirty-four ninety nine. All the games you want for thirty-four ninety nine a month, and you can go to The Budweiser Party Deck, you can go out to left field, any standing room area you can go to if you so desire for really every single game. So theoretically, for six months, let's see, uh, season tickets for like 210 bucks if you want to go to every game for standing room.
5: Um, when you just read that, people should have seen my face because I am shocked by that deal. That is an incredible deal.
4: And you can get that now at cardinals.com slash ballparkpass, cardinals.com slash pass. And the Cardinals also have their kid kids clinics open right now. They're going to take place in the area th- from June 9th through July 21st. You'll have a former Cardinal at every one. Dakota Hudson is going to speak at one. David Fries, David Eckstein are going to speak at selected clinics. And you can learn more about that at cardinals.com slash clinics. So a lot going on, obviously, at the start of the season. And somebody was making the point yesterday on MLB Network Radio. Isn't it remarkable that a month ago, the center of the baseball universe was Roger Dean Stadium because of negotiations that were taking place, and we all hated baseball because they couldn't come to a CBA. A month later, the center of the baseball universe is Roger Dean Stadium because Albert Pujols is walking down the right field line to the Cardinal dugout.
5: That's such a good point, and it proves that... Uh, all wounds can be healed because how mad were we? We had how how many conversations, Randy? Do we have of are you not going to buy tickets? This at least ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> because we're we're mad at baseball. Are Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina going to be enough to get you to come back? And I think there were some people that. Those two were enough to get them to buy tickets. But you add Albert Poolholes, who is probably the single greatest player that most of us have ever seen in our lifetimes, wear this uniform back into the mix. And it just brings back all of those memories. It brings back that excitement. Even though he's not the Albert Poolholes we last saw wearing the birds on the bat, it invigorate you. Reinvigorate you.
4: Albert will be hitting fourth today against the Nationals. He'll be the DH for the Cardinals. My anticipation, Michelle, would be that on opening day against a left-hander, he's probably hitting sixth. You're probably against a lefty. Probably go Carlson, Edmund, Goldie, Arenado, O'Neal, or maybe you hit O'Neal third, so maybe uh, Carlson, Edmond, O'Neal, Goldie, Arenado, and then hit Albert sixth.
5: If it wasn't a left-handed pitcher, do you still find a way to get him in there for the home opener?
4: He, he comes up as a pinch hitter at some point. Yeah, yeah you figure Even it out. Even if it's against a right-hander. Yeah, And I know that the Pirates don't want to do that. They don't want to bring a left-hander into the game because he's a threat off the bench. But I think it just makes sense when you have 45,000 people there and he's so excited about it and you know the crowd is going to be jazzed that you get him into that game.
5: Well, I think the 45,000 people would be chanting Albert. Albert, I think you might be forced to make that move whether you want to yeah. or not.
4: No pressure on Ali Marmol in his first game managed in the National League.
5: But that's a good way to get some goodwill towards yeah. the fans, though. We know what you want. This is what you're here to see. Okay, here you go. Yeah.
4: Of uh, more immediate regular season interest, the Blues and the Canucks tonight pregame at eight, action at nine, and the Blues with a three game Western Canada trip. And, Michelle, you mentioned earlier that every game is a playoff game, and it really does feel like things could fall out of uh, out of good graces, out of, out of good will for the Blues in a big hurry, because right now they're fourth in their division. You can't afford to lose games. Now, these are three good teams that they're playing, at least three teams that are going to be in the hunt, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. As Bernie Federico said, you've got to get points out of all of these games.
5: Now... There's 17 games left, I believe, right? 17 games down the stretch? Every single one is going to have that playoff vibe. But I think you're going to really learn a lot about this team in these next three games. And you know what? Actually, we say that and then they could completely regress. They could come out flying, have an unbelievable road trip and then regress. That's kind of in the book on this team. But if if they do that, then I think a lot of people are not going to have a lot of confidence in this team even if they sneak into the playoffs. Are
4: you sunshine lollipops? Do you believe that they're going to make the playoffs or do you think they're going to miss?
5: I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think I'm going to have a great feeling about them as they enter the playoffs.
4: I kind of think they might make the playoffs as a wild card. Mm -hmm. And then if you have to play Calgary in the first round, I don't feel good about that.
5: Is there really any matchup that the Blues could have that you would feel great about? I mean, we're talking about no. the identity and consistency of this team, and we're knocking on the door of April.
4: Yeah, there's uh. so much parody in the sport, too. Yeah. They're even really, really, really good teams. Like we were talking about the Metropolitan Division yesterday with Carlo Koliakovo, how the the Maple Leafs, if right, if right now... They're going to play either the Panthers or the Lightning or one other great team. Whoever they play in the first round, they're going to have their hands full. And the Leafs are a good team. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be tough for the Blues. That's all there is to it. We've got a balloon party coming up with Tim McKernan, and I called him Ajax. It's kind of like my version of NADUB for broadcasters. Action Jackson. Now he's Ajax.
5: You know, you haven't given me any nickname like that, which I appreciate. Smalls.
4: It it doesn't go with Smalls. Like M. Smalls, I can't can't make that work.
5: You are trying to make NADUB happen, and you think M. Smalls can't happen?
4: It just doesn't flow. NADUB flows.
5: Does NADUB flow? Mac Mac? You sound like Chris Berman. Mac 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 Mac. Can't do that.
4: Well, Mac Mac is just fun, because I know he's not going to be here for very long.
5: (laughs) So it's just a fun... What did you call it earlier? Not a little ditty? What was the thing you said earlier?
4: Oh, your sweet bippy?
5: Your sweet bippy. Yeah,
4: we'll have that. Tomorrow, a great job by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio Thank you, pleasure. And Michelle, this was awesome.
5: It was a great hump day, Randy, and, and I. Ho- I look forward to giving someone a calendar later today. It's going
4: to be great. And by the way, we're going to keep doing Mad Libs once a week because we liked it so much, and you liked it so much. And of course, tune in tomorrow, nine
2: a.m. Nolan Aronado. Oh, that's right, right. Nolan Aronado tomorrow. Oh,
5: that's right. You may remember him, Nolan Aronado. Yeah. I know we've been talking a lot about three other pretty guys, good. but pretty good player.
4: Nolan Arenado tomorrow morning at 9. By the way, the midday show is going to have the new Mizzou coach, Dennis Gates, on, and he can talk about going to players' weddings. It'd be great.
5: Brandy, give him a chance.
4: Okay, I will. He's getting, some, he's getting some Juco guys. He's doing well in the transfer portal in the Juco's.
5: There you go. Give so, him a chance to, so, to see what he can do before you are mad at him because he says he wants to go to players' weddings.
4: The thing is, you, go, you, you get to 10th or 11th in the SEC and you're a success. You look pretty good.
5: I love that I'm talking you off the ledge about Mizzou Hoops.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny.
5: Oh, For all... by the way, we didn't even mention Andre Curbelo leaving Illinois. I know. And entering the transfer portal. portal. Yeah. That's what
4: I... happens when you don't play a second half of an, event of an NCAA tournament
5: game. Yeah, I didn't even bring that up. Yeah. But there you go. There, That's talking Line Illini Hoops here on Carriker and Smallman.
4: For all of us until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis.
1: You've been listening to the Carriker and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.
5: Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa.